0: Ready,
1: Dave? Ah. (laughs) What am I doing, Dave? i don't know it's loud i'm drumming i'm a drummer oh like brian doherty hey welcome to don't let's start a podcast about they might be giants i'm jordan cooper i'm dave fox and this is part two of our epic interview with mr brian doherty the drummer he was the drummer for john henry they might be giants (laughs) he was the drummer for john henry factory showroom and more more things. So this is part two of our interview with Brian Doherty. This part has a lot of variety of topics. We talk, we still have a lot more. They might be giant stories here, including them opening for Hootie and the Blowfish. He gives us some insight into their coffee obsession, which was, uh, (laughs) what the fans need to know. That might be my favorite part uh, of of the interview. Uh, he talks about, uh, playing with REM. uh, I I would call it a surreal REM story. (laughs) I don't know if you remember.
2: I've forgotten everything.
1: It's a, it's a strange story story but i found it very interesting he talks about ben folds playing with him he talks about oh playing with XTC on one of my favorite uh rare XTC songs and uh, there's even more about they might be giants and more about being a drummer and, and what he's up to now his solo album which is uh, yeah. actually like really great and because i listened to it a bunch and it's it's fantastic you're gonna hear all about that One thing I want to mention to all you audio uh, aficionados out there, we were having some technical problems with the audio for for about the first maybe seven hours no for like the first quarter or third of the interview and the way that uh expressed itself was this (laughs) kind of strange um buzzing that was kind of going like i figured out yeah i figured out what it was eventually though it took a lot of trial and error but what i figured out uh it was that it was my it was our cell phones was creating some bizarre interference in the audio so once we turned our phones off it was fixed but you will hear the audio kind of change a bit as i as we experimented with different things at one point, it gets like a different, different kind of quality.
2: So hope that doesn't freak you out a little. And now we're also inside.
1: Yeah. So another thing you'll, you'll hear is that this starts when we're outside. And then at one point we move on the second day of interviewing Brian, we moved inside. So if, if you all of a sudden think that all the birds have died, <laughs> that were were chirping and the atmosphere changes, it's because we then moved into his house. So just, just so you're not confused. I don't know why you would be, but, just wanted to mention that so please dave Uh, why won't you enjoy part two i will i swear Okay, this, this we're, we were going to touch on in a future episode, but opening for Hootie and the Blowfish oh, yeah. is so, hysterical.
3: There's <laughs> just, you know, a little bit of a, so this, you know, earlier I mentioned Mark Soltak, this, mm-hmm. the guy that I worked with, with Freedy in the silos. Mm-hmm. Um, he was, Mark was tour managing the silos mm-hmm. when I was on tour with the silos in, in the early 90s. And the only way we'd find out about our gig and who's opening up for us was if we read the local paper. <laughs> okay Because this was before internet And everything And so We were We were Sitting around one day And we We ter- we turned To the page Where the We were looking at the Listing for the venue We were playing at Tomorrow night or whatever And said Opening act Hootie and the Blowfish Yeah And Mark, I remember, turned to me and said, who the fuck is <laughs> Hootie and the Blowfish? Yeah. And, and we just started cracking up like, oh, my God, who fucking Hootie <laughs> and the Blowfish? So they ended up opening up up for us, and they were very, very self, um, self-assured young gentlemen uh-huh. you know, who were, like, sure that they were just very, very confident. And in addition, they were big fans. I think, I, I don't want to speak for them, but I think to mm. this day Darius and Mark Bryan from Hootie are huge fans of the silos. And I know for a fact because I sent Darius recently like a big package of bootlegs of the silos. And if you ever want a mm. silos bootleg, go to BB Chronicles okay. and you could download a whole tour's worth of bootlegs, wow. which are great, like but better than any recorded stuff that we yeah. did in the studio. <laughs> but, so that was my interaction with Hootie. Yeah. And and then years <laughs> later, I'm with A Might Be Giants yeah. uh-huh. <laughs> after, after this joke, because this joke of who the fuck is Hootie and the Blowfish came back upon us like time after time mm-hmm. as Hootie became more and more famous. You yeah. Know? Where you go like, who the fuck <laughs> is Hootie? So years later, I'm with A Might Be Giants, and Graham is playing with the Giants at, at this point. Graham mm-hmm. may be the bass player, and Graham was also the bass player of The Silos. Graham has a connection with Hootie as well. So here mm-hmm. we are. Now we're opening up for Hootie the Blowfish. We're, yeah. we're opening up for Hootie and the Blowfish at these like mega stadiums. It's really, really funny. And, and I guess we didn't really talk about anything. You know what? Again, nothing was stated overtly, but it was my perception that the two Johns were not incredible fans of <laughs> it's, what yeah. Hootie was doing. Yeah. But we were still the we were still the opening band. Flansburg told a
1: story about Hootie wanting to um use your horn players. Oh wow I'm excited not- I'm,
3: exci- I'm not, not excited. I'm surprised <laughs> that Flann that Flans I was, brought brought that up. Yeah, I was too. Yeah. Do you You can of expand course on remember that it. because it is public <laughs> knowledge. So because <laughs> because me and Graham had a history with Hootie at sure. this point. Okay. And because the guys in Hootie knew that Graham and I me and Graham played mm-hmm. in the silos, and they were huge fans. I, I we started to socialize with the hoodie guys yeah. more. <laughs> like yeah. there was a lot of downtime. We would play frisbee with them in the parking lot and eat dinner at the catering facility and stuff before the shows. Like, they were very welcoming. Like, I would go to their dressing room before their show, you know, before after I was done and mm-hmm. hang out with them. And just, like, they were, like, very, very cool hmm. dudes. They yeah. were and very, very welcoming. Like, come on in. And then I don't know how long the tour was, but let's say the tour was, like, a month or six weeks. Yeah, it wasn't too long. And man. then um, after some time had gone by, they were basically like, hey, Dougherty, um, come in and play percussion. During our encore, because they had percussion, sure. percussionists, I was like, absolutely, you kidding me? I want to play. So I would wait around for their show, watch their show, and then get up and play. And then one time, Darius asked two of our horn players yeah. to, <laughs> to, <laughs> to, to play during um, one of Hootie's hits. You yes. Know. And... That, in my opinion, er, enraged Flans. <laughs>
1: That's what he said, basically, and yeah.
3: Flans, I, re, I remember one of Flans' remarks was like, we had a conversation, it was a very, like, strong conversation. It was a little, little bit of an argument about, yeah. I mean, nothing was ever directed to me. I, I think it was more directed toward the horns. Yeah, And yeah. Flans was basically like, well, if you want to play with them on our tour, then have them pay your salary. Yeah. <laughs> basically, <laughs> like, no, for sure. basically, you're working for me. Right. You know? Yeah, And yeah. um. I don't know where the line is though. It's like, yeah, we're 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 on your tour but we're off duty now. We're just enjoying That's being being with the other that band. Is interesting. You know. So yeah, I don't know where the, I I don't know who's right, who's wrong. Flans. That's Sorry. a good gray area. But, yeah. it, no, I, I I can see both sides. That's But I guess yeah. but I guess to, if I were to argue to Flans' point, mm-hmm. I mean, the Hootie guys A could have afforded something yeah. and B were benefiting greatly by having this like cool horn section yeah. for like <clears throat> the last 20 minutes of their show mm-hmm. right yeah. featuring these horns and they didn't have to pay a dime for it because the giants <laughs> were th- their opening band yeah know? so so I got I, I, I have one more story to add Oh, sh- which was please. there was one you know like the last couple shows there was kind of like um I felt that at this point everybody in in the band Grant me, Graham the horn players had been jamming with Hootie, yeah, on a nightly basis, <laughs> and at and the last couple shows, I think you know Mark or Darius had kind of been been asking about. So do you think Linell and Flans want to come up and jam? You know, yeah. and to them, it's like very, this is a very it's a very natural thing. Like it's they're very welcoming, and not a lot of people do this. <laughs> I know where <laughs> this is going. You know, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, because yeah, it's it you have to know the Johns to know that this does not end yeah. well. <laughs> so. But it's just not The hoodie guys were just like, <laughs> yeah. The Hootie guys were just like, hey, we're all musicians. We're all just gonna play. You yeah, know? yeah. And um <laughs> yeah, I don't. Linnell and Flans don't really do the jam thing with other bands. The sit-in thing. Yeah. Like we're all gonna we're all gonna sit in and have have a have a good time. So <laughs> I don't think that they ever did. Mm-hmm. And the fact that they didn't, I mean, spoke volumes. My perception was yeah. that it spoke volumes but that they didn't, right? Yeah. Yeah, so I totally. Their tour ends, and all of a sudden, <laughs> it's very clear that you know that they never got to
1: sit in. They told so. Linnell told the story of the crowd chanting "Hootie" during your set. Do you
3: remember that? <laughs> Not too much, but when you're an opening <laughs> act about, like that, you're yeah. kind of like you you do your thirty minute set, and you 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 expect that people are just like looking at you like with this bewilderment yeah like look of bewilderment like who are you and please leave right. you know <laughs> so nothing really like phased me or like people are getting popcorn or chatting or, yeah and it's just waiting for hootie so i w- i wouldn't doubt if people were chanting hootie
1: i know? saw the pixies open for weezer last year
3: and people I s- were i saw that show too yeah i mean i saw it in, in March. Yeah. It was like, yeah,
1: people are getting, leaving during it, getting food, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, it's the pixies. Yeah. I like the pixies
2: more than you know, Weezer. You know, yeah.
3: I've got good news to report because I saw them. Mm. So this is being recorded in June. I saw them, rec- I saw them. March, so yeah. a couple months ago, and by the time they came, the Pixies came on stage, everybody was in their seat. Okay,
1: that's good. There wasn't
3: a seat empty, and they were all yeah. attentive. Good for the Pixies. So. It was like
1: half filled. At Pay your dues Speed. for yeah. the Pixies. It was depressing.
3: <laughs> yeah, it <laughs> was. It was really, really good, and Pixies was like, everybody was there for. For mm-hmm. Part of the show, but anyway, so yeah. that's that, that that was our adventure with Hootie. <laughs> that's so but funny, yeah. It was, it was good, it was a lot of fun. That um, was a lot of
1: fun. We could transition the next chapter was Black Francis,
2: yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, Were yeah. you skipping this?
1: Oh, well, oh, go. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I accidentally skipped a contentious sounding one going broke with they might. We tried, <laughs> yeah. So I was you know,
2: so
3: curious about that title. <laughs> well, I mean, this could be a podcast, this can be a podcast app in its. Really? A standalone podcast episode. but yeah. Have you ever seen the New York Dolls documentary? No, no, but I know a little bit about them. So their bass player, my recollection of it is that their bass player spends a good deal... Of his time, of his screen time, talking about how, yeah, being a rock star sucks because <laughs> you're riding around in a limousine and everything. Meanwhile, you're not getting paid anything for these yeah. for these gigs, right? You have these costumes on, you're playing these venues, you get all these accolades, and really, you're, you're not really getting paid jack for for any of it. Yeah. And so, I'll say that although I was making a salary, a weekly salary with Mighty Giants, mm-hmm. I I literally went broke play, playing with yeah. them. Yeah. And specifically. Because of the fact that I was away with them, I was devoted almost 100% of my time to the Giants, which meant that every other act or uh, artist or project that I had simmering in the background before that kind of went off. They got different drums. Yeah, sure, sure. And so... I would come home from tours and have nothing, absolutely right. wow. nothing, like literally nothing. Like, hello, hello, hello. People wouldn't answer my phone call or, or or if I would tell people like, hey, I'll be around for three months. I'm available. They'd be like, really? <laughs> Aren't the Giants? I saw in the paper the Giants are doing a gig, you know, two weeks from now, which was probably true. Yeah. You know? It's like boiling the frog in the pot. It happens very, very slowly until you realize you can't get out of it. Uh-huh. And so I don't know if any of other musicians feel like this, but- um I would assume other so. other yeah. other musicians in in my opinion that worked with the giants had maybe maybe they had other means by which to survive maybe mm. mm-hmm. i don't know what some some of them had other projects or maybe a a, a stronger network of su- a supporting business network so i literally went broke playing with the giants <laughs> and i remember and that's not to say that they didn't pay me well. No, yeah. But let's yeah, say that it. you get so paid X long, amount of dollars, right, and you make long. that for six months, and then you get home and you don't work for four months. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how much money have you made over that ten months? And and that was literally what what was happening to me. And specifically, I remember it really really hit hit home when we as we were approaching the holiday season we were doing all these holiday shows and i remember hearing overhearing in the elevator flans and linnell talking about like like a, a leg of a tour that we were supposed to do in january yeah and for me this would have been good because in january nothing happens for freelance musicians everything is dead you don't get any work no the phone doesn't yeah. Ring. yeah and i don't know how they decided it but they were basically having an argument about no no i don't want to work and I think it was them against their management. Like sure, yeah. the management wanted them to be out on the road and they were like, hell no, we're staying home. I'm not, I haven't been home for six months. And mm-hmm. meanwhile, I'm feeling like, <laughs> well, I haven't been home for six months, but if I'm home for a month or two, then I will continue to go broke. Yeah. So that's wow. essentially in a nutshell, that's that's actually how I went broke. Wow. And I literally went broke. I filed bankruptcy. Oh no. Was oh wow. Bro- went for, for a period of time i was couch surfing after like after the giants were couch surfing God. i basically had no place to live yeah good story wanted, <laughs> let's not talk about it anymore <laughs> yeah well i wanted
1: to talk the next chapter was black francis yeah and i'm a i'm a we're both huge frank black yes. fan. we can yeah. say frank black is yeah. all his solo albums I, i'm more of a fan mm-hmm. of the soul albums than the pixies even like i'm that yeah, kind of a frank black yeah. nerd so you you sent us a demo of you playing the man who was too loud with yeah. Frank Black, but which was really exciting to hear a
3: Frank Black demo because I'm a fan.
1: of Yeah, it. <laughs> can you talk? Do you, is that what related to what the Absolutely. chapter was going to yeah. be? So, yeah,
3: so Frank Black came to me by way of They Might Be Giants. He yeah. at the time was a big fan of the Giants. Right. Yeah, and although he was that was his Teenager of the Year mm-hmm. uh, album phase. Yes, <laughs> and he was not touring with his band at one point, so he. I don't know how it came about, but he opened up for us wow. as, a, as an acoustic. Well, not not acoustic, but as a so, solo act, yeah. right? So it was just him, and he was also, He's an awesome dude. He's really his really... his
1: songwriting is blows my mind. He's
3: like he's a one hundred percent gentleman. Hmm. Uh, he's hmm. the kind, you know, he takes care of everybody. He's he's the dude. He's he's the man, and he's a great <laughs> musician, great songwriter, and so Tony. Maimoni, the bass player, had history working with Frank Black and had worked on um, a tour of Teenager of the Year. Yeah. So Tony was already—this was, this, was, this was perfect. This was a, this, this was a no-brainer because Frank had a lot of— his real name is Charles, by the way. Yeah, I know. Charles, <laughs> Charles had, a real, had a lot of downtime, mm-hmm. and me and Tony were willing— so we started to like jam with Charles and yeah. there were points where after gigs we would Charles would book a studio and we would go into a studio and record some, record some demos.
2: Though he loved to rock and roll All
0: these
3: many years He cared about the old people's And little children's ears Though he was a guitar man he reflected and he bowed, Never will I ever be No near, near, again The man who was too loud
0: Jonathan Pullman Never gets down Now that he is free
3: he is not proud he don't need the power just a and um, yeah my hope was that these would find them find a home on his records and stuff yeah. Um, and yeah some, honestly other than the man who was too loud I can't recall I do recall one session where like we were singing with him and I was standing, oh I was standing next to next to Charles and you there's no you <laughs> His his voice is so powerful. <laughs> yeah. There's no I can't describe the feeling of what it's it must like to to out of body experience. Yeah, to like <laughs> singing with Charles or Frank Frank Black yeah. in the studio singing some background vocals. That's awesome. Um, wow. But yeah, he's totally total good dude, like perfect gentleman, very very humble. And uh and I can thank Tony Tony for bringing me in. I mean, so Tony like mm-hmm. I got in with Tony's blessing, so. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. Yeah, oh, that's so yeah, awesome. It's great, I'm very like so I did, about I did, that. you did send me the popcorn, the, yes, the, the yeah. James Brown popcorn. Oh yeah, you thing. can talk a little about yeah. that. And I do I do have some recollections. So Tony <laughs> after at his tail end of the Giants, Tony started a, a studio business in Brooklyn Studio G. Tony built up a like one of the most popular it's now one of the most popular studios in New York City. I remember Tony asking me to come in and play drums that he he and charles were working on this james brown song and i came in it was just me wow there was nobody there and so tony said no no charles is not going to come charles is in la so he's gonna <laughs> we're gonna send him the drum track you know you're gonna record the drums i'm gonna play bass to it then we're gonna send him the stuff that he's gonna record which i had no idea <laughs> so basically what you're hearing is me playing drums by myself, which, <laughs> when if you really listen to it, it's a, it's a little stiff. There's really not a lot of like fills that interact because I'm playing by myself with basically Tony just giving me cues like verse two yeah, hmm, that's or here's where like the bridge <laughs> is gonna come. Well. So it's very, very minimalistic playing.
0: Something like I'm fat, something
2: like I'm tall, something like I'm short, skinny legs and all.
1: secrets to success do you remember what that was going
3: to uh touch on yeah not 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 too much but i'll i'll just say that mm-hmm. honestly i don't remember what i would have <laughs> what i would have written there but i i'll say that anybody who's interested in pursuing a career in music it's all it's going to be all about your network mm. you need you need a strong network that you that that you can rely upon and you can't build up a network all overnight yeah you know yeah. people have to recommend you for work and i guess Part of the reason why I went broke with A Might Be Giants is because I didn't have – I never took the time to cultivate a good network. And that when I needed one, when I really needed the work, I didn't have – it wasn't there. Mm Mm-hmm. Right? This is
1: my flaw too. So Yeah. So anybody
3: who's self-employed or self-employed musician has to – my tip – would mm-hmm. be to create a strong network Go or to shows, talk to stuff talk like that Talk to you people, mean? Yeah. tell them what you're doing be supportive, <laughs> right? be supportive Be supportive before you want support you mm-hmm. know, Of other people It's either that or hopefully you're a trust fund kid You've got a lot of money, you've got some family <laughs> money you can, yeah. you can do it, that's your secret to success
1: mm-hmm. um, Giants take Woodstock What was that?
3: Yeah, that, was mostly, that would have been mostly about Just us living in, in Woodstock you know, oh, the, uh, the album. Or, yeah. Okay, so yeah. you yeah. touched on that. Yeah. And we, you know, that, that included us going out for dinners at the yeah. Mexican restaurant and us shopping at the Grand <laughs> Union, you know, for, for groceries and stuff like that. And Tony and I at the time were avid joggers, so we oh. would jog a lot. Around the town, through the woods, and when the engineer Ed Thacker came from Los Angeles, he was—he's also an avid jogger, so he would come out with us. Wow! People think we were nuts. We're out there in zero degrees and snow and everything. <laughs> oh, but yeah, yeah. There was we—we we made we were a big presence, you know. Mm-hmm. So that's what that would have been about. And then
1: the producers—I don't know if that's something you've already touched on. Yeah, that Paul was Fox. probably about Paul. Yeah, Paul,
3: and you know, I mean, I don't know if Flans and Linnell got, got gave themselves credit for producing or co-producing that mm-hmm. that record, but they're definitely the co-producers
1: yeah yeah I could see that um opening X I don't know if that is was that
3: about <laughs> oh well that would have been you know that would have been a chapter about the opening X that that the Giants had oh, oh you know? okay Somewhere, you know Frank Frank black was one yeah um, who was another one like apples and stereo or oh cool. maybe not wow. them if I'm wrong so another cool like cool bands like that mm-hmm. I'm trying to think who we've else seen was a lot there. of weird <laughs> well, and Over and the then years. I was gonna say, and then there were just some sort of shaking your head moments, like, <laughs> yeah, why do why do they have, they had, <laughs> you know? And there was one, oh my God, one one band, a female band that opened up for us. Do you guys remember remember the name? Cub. Yeah, Cub. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Flans loved. They wrote this New band. York City. That's right, exactly, yeah. exactly. Flans loved, loved, loved I this I saw them band. too. Yeah. Open
1: for them. They were like a female Ramones, basically. Yeah, like yeah. Short, po- catchy song.
3: They were really, really good. I just didn't, I didn't, I wasn't feeling it for some reason. Yeah. I wasn't ja- jazzed <laughs> about them. Nothing. Yeah, 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 Don't. That's just my opinion. Don't, don't I've take that hated away. a lot of open. Yeah, that's like, where they like. So <laughs> yeah, I didn't feel like. Maybe maybe it's just that. I felt that Flans was very, very so so into them, and I kind of felt like they're good. They're really good, but they're not. We all have that friend yeah. that's really into a band. Exactly. All- <laughs> exactly. I'm not saying anything. Yeah. So yeah, I don't want to say, say say too much. But that would have been. I'd have to look through like all the opening acts and mm-hmm. stuff and. You know,
1: the next one is called sleight of hand. What what was that?
3: So when you were a magician? Oh yeah, you know what? I don't honestly. I don't remember. So (laughs) this this outline was written in probably 2012. So it's like seven years ago. Yeah, seven or six years ago. I may have talked about in that chapter how I felt that I had this this sense of working with the giants. Like I was needed. Like they really wanted me. Like you gotta stay. We rely on you. When in fact, eh, you know, <laughs> there's a million other drummers to come, You know, mm. we, can, we can get other drummers to do this. I mean, and that's just the reality of it, right? Yeah, yeah. And um, so there's this kind of like you feel like you're gonna you're like part of something and you're gonna be fine and you're gonna be you're you're gonna be taken care of and in fact, you're really not. Mm. I mean. It was my opinion that maybe I overestimated my contribution yeah, to the band, yeah. right? I know what you mean. So, so mm-hmm. and that's it. So I'm very, very grateful for for what I did with them, but that was probably all on me.
1: I wanted to circle back though to uh, just to talk uh, if, as much as we can about Factory Showroom because yeah, sure, that's sure. an interesting yeah. album. And one thing I had written here is. What were their intentions for the album following John Henry? Like we already made our big full band debut. Was there some sort of talk about
3: what they were going for with it? None, (laughs) none, (laughs) none that that I remember, Mm. none. And I remember this was like, we recorded this in New York City. Mm -hmm. This was was like, I got the feeling like, nope, we're not going to go somewhere else. Nope. We're not going to spend a lot of money recording this. Mm. Nope. We're going to get our own people because I think that they
2: produced it. Did they? I think With it's Pat just Dilla. Pat. D- yeah. yeah, I'm pretty sure that's it. <clears throat> and um, do you think that was a reaction to the what the record label was doing to John Henry that they thought maybe pump the brakes a little bit, keep it a little yeah, small scale? Yeah, totally, totally. And
3: I think it was, I think this was the moment. Like, yeah, we tried it. You know, we tried to like right. have other people produce our stuff. Mm-hmm. We tried to like have a bigger production and all go somewhere else. And what did we get from it? Right. I guess was the was the um, mm-hmm. the feeling or the or the tone. Factory Showroom's a weird one because they recorded
1: so many songs and then the album comes out and it's 13 songs and like seven or eight are cut out and then for a while fans had bootlegs of them that I think they were not John and John were not happy that they had but then eventually they released them themselves. Okay. Do you remember any of that like which songs would not go on so i could t- tell yeah, you you'd like, have to go down the list again yeah so like songs cut out of factory showroom is sense around was a oh, b-side yeah, yeah. Yeah. which is like i love yeah. that song
3: actually i love that song too and it was my feeling that Linnell wasn't crazy about it
1: <sighs> yeah, yeah it's
3: weird because yeah they
1: never play it live and, it's it's fans consider it one of the, and their actually, best songs that would be I one think. of
3: my songs that where I, I i could swear to you that i would Tell Linnell like Linnell, we should play this song. Live. Yeah, you give me like one of these looks like. mm-hmm, So anyway, the weather's <laughs> good today. You know, and I'd be like, okay, I'll never talk about that again. Wow. Yeah. Know? So, um, yeah, but that song was recorded for a movie, Mighty Mountain Power Rangers. Rangers. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, which, and it was recorded by um Neil Dorfsman, okay, this great engineer who actually produced Dire Straits' money, money for nothing. He's like. World class producer. Hmm. Wow. And uh, I was really proud of everything of that song, that the way I played it. Yeah. I loved that song. I, th- I thought it's a great song. <laughs> So um, I don't know why that, that
1: was left off. Another B-side yeah. is Unforgotten. And this is one that Flansburgh has said he's never been happy with, which is interesting. So I don't know if you have any don't of remember, your POV of it. I don't know if this
3: is re- totally relevant, but mm. I do remember at about this time, f- um, one of the bands that opened for us, so get, getting back to opening acts, yeah. was, was um, Mike Viola and the Candy Butchers. Yes, mm. I saw them. Yeah. So I think that bass player became, Dan, his name is Dan too. Dan, Dan Miller? Yeah, yeah, Dan Minkoff. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Mike's presence became I think affected Flans a lot. Interesting. Mike's Mike's an awesome songwriter and he's the guy, you know, he could like fix a song, he can write a song, st- you know, standing on his head, he yeah. could, in a heartbeat. So I don't know why why that just jogged I can my memory see but, that, but I think around this time like fl started to be more reflective of his songwriting and thinking like us oh, am I doing my best or can I do better or whatever so this is my opinion, Flint, yeah on your work, <laughs> yeah
1: <laughs> <laughs> we could bring it to the factor show album a little, I want to kind of sure go ahead. Circ, like zigzag around a little bit, but um. So, yeah, what do you have any before we just start? Do you have any standout memories of that recording? Like, there's SEXXY, yeah. which is an interesting one. You guys did that on
3: Conan in yes, the suits. Yes, we did. Yeah. Do you have any? Yes, yes. Um, I felt some of it was just a stretch. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah. It felt like, yeah, I felt, yeah, I felt like some of the songwriting was really good, mm-hmm. and then. S-E-X-X-Y was good. It was a single, which was, c- yeah. C- again, kind of s- strange to me that that was the
1: I, big single
3: from the album. If if we were to look back at performances, how many Linnell songs had they performed and how many Flann songs had been performed yeah. on television? You, know, you think they tried to keep it balanced or something? Possibly. I don't know. I don't know. I kind of felt that there were... I don't want to paint it with a broad mm-hmm. stroke, but there were some songs on that album that that didn't hit me like John Henry did.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, wait, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. um, oh, one thing about that Conan SEXXY, I, I, there was a fan theory that Linnell was lip-syncing. Oh, no.
3: It. No, he definitely wasn't. Because you
1: see him go away from the mic, and you still hear his voice, and he, you see him kind of recover mm. and go back to the mic. Wow. And it's this deep, it's a deep harmony. He's going like you know cookie and one you know yeah, yeah. And he's, he's doing s- like the october yeah. or whatever so yeah so fans always thought he was slow <laughs> like the moon <laughs> but i don't know landing. if you knew anything the about that
3: um <laughs> yes it's, it's a conspiracy theory yeah. look at the uh, wind pattern <laughs> behind him you know i don't remember but yeah. <laughs> i will say that there when you do live television like that, you do you can go back. I don't want to feed into the conspiracy. Oh, you think maybe you can go did. back and fix stuff? Interesting, but no, I, I don't remember it. anything like that yeah. happening. You know, <laughs> okay. I will neither confirm nor ask. deny it. <laughs> no, no, but I do. There was something that we did in the rehearsal in the run through mm. before we actually taped that segment. Yeah, which was that um, in like the second before the second chorus, I suggested like dropping the drums out. There's like a part where the drums drop out for like one beat. He goes s. Uh, there's like a bow, yeah. and then kind of like the floor drops out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I thought it was more more dramatic, and yeah. Flans Flans went with it, but he was a little nervous about it, and <laughs> he should have been because it's like we sure. I was suggesting a change, to something that, had, something. Yeah, yeah. something that we had yeah we had recorded and done and. On, on the same way at gigs, and then yeah, we're on national television. I, little old me in the background, I'm going like, "Hey, I think that this would be really cool," <laughs> and they were like, "Okay." Wow, yeah. And so I commend, I commend them for trying it, you
0: know. <laughs>
2: yeah i'll have to rewatch. That. can i ask a quick question about being on national television yeah. <laughs> like because that just seems like i don't know a total fuck to me um did you have any thoughts going on you know cohen being like well a million people are going to see this tonight i hope i don't embarrass myself or what i don't sure. know what how are you feeling about yes. that was that different mm-hmm. than performing or do you just kind of treat it the same way oh totally it's a,
3: totally like no this is it like um, yeah. this this is it if i blow it now that's it. Everybody's gonna, <laughs> everyone's going to see it. My mom is going to see it right. and, and, I, and I totally suck. But <laughs> there's also an element like where you really pump yourself up mm-hmm. to being like, I'm the shit. There's no way any mistakes are happening now. And if, right. and if there mm-hmm. were mistakes, they're going to be nothing that I can't recover from. Right. So you go in like with a real big pair of balls I think in my opinion and <laughs> yeah. being like no this is it i'm gonna i'm nailing this and right. i think everybody else does too mm-hmm. till my head falls off yeah Do another you... great song yeah
1: i know yeah. Really, i know really I agree. Song. Mm-hmm.
3: very very drumistic, really really fast yeah yeah
1: know? it's just like a great yeah. rock song I, that's a song i sent to a few producers when i was making an album i was like this is a good example of what i want my stuff to sound yeah. like you know yeah and then, yeah, there's Metal Detector. That's like another... That's another thermostat kind ever... of... Uh... Yeah. <laughs> no, but metal, metal Detector was great. Well, here, actually, I can ask about this. Something that was odd f- as a fan for Factory Showroom was the songs got longer. There's mm-hmm. guitar solos. Yeah. There's all repeating... Metal Detector repeats the chorus like 10 times. Yeah. As a They Might Be Giants fan, it felt odd because they were all about tight songs yeah, yeah. and no filler and all that stuff. Not that it was filler, but it was like... So it was weird. Shift. I don't know if that was something that you witnessed happen organically. Like, no, let's do the chorus again and all that. Is
3: it- I don't. I don't know. Mm. Other than, I mean, I can't remember if if it, if there was anything spoken. But mm. maybe this was an effort to like, write. You know, well, we want we want to write three minute songs too. Yeah. And <laughs> we want to have some guitar solos too. And, yeah. You know, like that that kind of thing. Like the ninety second song was okay for other albums yeah know, because thing.
1: yeah that's why i mean i like factory showroom but it's it, it's like it does feel like they're changing their personality a little for us yes. it. it's like kind of yes. strange if you have any memories of spiraling shape because that's like this is a huge fan favorite like oh. everyone loves this song so much this
3: oh is- yeah i remember this this is <laughs> a great song <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, Bill. I builds love the drums. Yeah,
1: yeah I, I love that
3: part. I always like drum along, and I'm like <laughs> in the car. Hearing it now reminds me of like a Wes Anderson movie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like a Kinks yeah. song. Yeah, that's but funny. um, no, it's, Linnell's perfect for that. Well, I mean, actually, we used to. Speaking of all that stuff, Linell would sometimes say something like, "Yeah, like this song is is like." powdered wig song mm. like well, I'm gonna play a harpsichord like we're right. we're, all, like we're all like we have powdered wigs on I don't know yeah S- yeah stuff like that <laughs> those funny. used to be his his references mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> and you must remember uh, I Can Surely. Hear You uh, at the, oh, Edison yeah, the Edison Museum, Museum. that must yeah. have been fun
3: <clears throat> yeah uh,
0: that was or amazing. maybe I can hear you just barely hear you I can just barely
3: It was interesting, yeah. Also, but you <laughs> know, we got, we got to record on a wax cylinder. Yeah, yeah. Crazy. So it's pretty, pretty nuts on the actual thing that Edison recorded on. Mm -hmm. So, no, and we had to move instruments around to to get the right acoustics. And we did it, like, in front of a live audience of, like, 20 people, you know, whoever came to the museum was, Mm -hmm. like, 20, 30 people there or whatever. To finish off Factory Showroom, the
1: last song has a very prominent drum part. It's The Bells Are Ringing and has this crazy marching drum. It ends the album.
3: On the song The Bells Are Ringing, there's a... uh, Linnell and Flans wanted... A female voice on it, they asked around, and they didn't find anybody that that was fitting the bill and I recommended amanda who sings on who sings on the on the track, and they really liked her. I wasn't there for the session who what How did you know about her her unique singing I, style you know what <laughs> i i I knew her from playing private parties and weddings and hmm. corporate events and stuff, and she's an awesome singer, and I just knew that she could deliver she could she could sing almost anything.
0: Yeah. Right? yeah.
1: I neglected to mention um, Pet Name. I don't know if you have any memories yeah. of Pet Name, but I, I Pet Name's a really interesting one for me because it's so unlike a typical song of theirs. It's got like soul to yeah, it. Yeah, like
3: a, Motown, like a Mo- Motown feel or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: and I, I talk a lot about a lot of Flansburg's songwriting is he's kind of like putting himself in a genre
3: yes, and yeah.
1: changing it, And but I also feel like he wants to to be it too. I mean, this is just my own like interpretation. I
3: think it's, I think that's fair. But
1: there's that kind of like that. They might be giants irony that maybe puts a wall up a bit. So you can't, but pet name is, I feel the closest he's come maybe to like, it's just like a soul song and it doesn't have too much of that. They might be giants like quirk to it. Right. I yeah. don't know if it's like Hard,
3: hardly any of it. Right. Yeah. yeah.
1: Do you remember anything about like preparing that song or playing it? I, honestly, not, yeah.
3: I no, 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 don't, don't cut it out. I, I don't remember too much about preparing it, but this is another one of those. Well, I remember some, this is another one of those songs where, where I could tell that Flans was stepping out into, you know, he's trying to create an, another world. And um, he just wanted it to be groovy and kind of funky,
2: you yeah, know. Yeah, the bass on that song is great. Yeah.
1: Like, uh, yeah, and just yeah, but the rhythm. That's a song that's like really the rhythm section, like
2: really. Yeah, well, it's so airy. It's it's mostly rhythm section, mostly bass. Yeah, drums, there's not a lot a of vocal, guitar yeah. or yeah.
1: keyboard. There's some piano, yeah, but yeah. it's not. Again, it's kind of like on John Henry. It's not. It's not like the crazy synths like on the earlier albums. It's just like he's playing yeah. organ or piano, and it's pretty straightforward.
3: Yeah, I don't remember too much about the preparation for it, but in because I I was able to go back and listen to the songs since our last yeah, get, awesome. get together. So it is one of those where or like one of the songs where Flans wants to be like the crooner, yeah. right? Yeah, and he does a good job at pulling it pulling it off. You know, yeah, it yeah. sounds. Sounds like a like a soul hit. What's the next song we're gonna?
1: I did send you Rat Patrol. I don't know if <laughs> yes. no, you listened. Remember- yes, I remember that. Yeah, uh, do you remember yeah. anything about that? Because that's a crazy recording. Rat Patrol is great. It's, <laughs> it's
3: you know what? again. That's another one. I have vague recollections of it. But that's another one that that could be could be funny. It's a, <laughs> yeah. it, is it a funny song? Is it a?
1: Yeah. But well, he's doing a funny voice. Yes. Yeah. If you, well, it's like if you know the band, it's funny. If maybe someone didn't know the band, they might be fooled. Into yeah. thinking they're
2: they That's
1: have just an a real
3: 80s metal song. Yeah. Last time we didn't mention this, but I don't think I played drums on New York City.
1: Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, my God. I'm
3: pretty sure that I didn't. <laughs> Interesting. Because um, that was that Cub song that Flans really liked. And I and I think he was working on a side project for his Hello uh, or like Monopuff. Mono Monopuff? Mo, Mono yeah, yeah. And whoever that drummer was recorded that. Steve Calhoun. Is that it? Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, there's.
1: Reprehensible? Do you yeah. remember that? Because that's a re- yeah. that's a really interesting song and recording.
3: Yeah. Uh, do you have any memory? I went back and listened to that song. And as far as the drums are concerned, there are two, uh, two drum tracks. Again, there's oh. a brush, a brush swirl, and then there uh, there's a, like a regular drum track played by sticks. It's a pretty pretty interesting song, you know. Yeah, <laughs> I thought a little bit about spiraling shape. And yeah, there's just something about that. I that's a very very cool setup to, to to that song. But you know you know what I was wondering. I was wondering if that song is about mind control. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> sounds like like MK Ultra mind control uh-huh. about you know somebody watching lights or something. <laughs> How yeah. it can make you go insane. Yeah, spiraling yeah, shape.
1: I always I know in terms of the drums on it. Whenever I listen to it, I always like. When the drums kick in, it's like a great moment in the song. At
3: the They're end, like, yeah. T- t- Again, those 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 songs were um Lin-O was pretty specific about the drums. Yeah. But at the end, they kinda let me loose. The, yeah. The oh, features, okay. the drums kinda kinda
2: going nuts. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. So um, I think those drums it. are mind controlling too. That's right. <laughs> you get mesmerized by the
3: Wanted to say about that. I was just list, yeah, listening to Pet Name as we were working on the technology. Mm-hmm. And um, <laughs> that sounds like a. Oh, first of all, we brought in a percussion player named Sue Hajiopoulos huh. to play percussion on that. So she plays Bongos and Congos oh, and wow. tambourine. And she also plays, here's a little fun fact she plays the Bells in Joe Jackson's Stepping Out. Wow. And she played percussion <laughs> on, on that record night, night and day. Wow. So, oh, cool. Um, and uh no I was just I was just saying that that's it, it sounds like if anyone's ever heard of the band stuff from New York like a classic um New York studio band and they ended up being one of the, one of the first bands for the Saturday night live crew typical that's that that sound is like very typical of New York soul in the 70s you know yeah, it's
1: funny It's Saturday night live I I could hear that yeah. <laughs> like when just they the, the, when the, they go the to outro. commercial yeah, yeah <laughs> totally <laughs> that's yeah. so funny so okay, we're talking about reprehensible a little. Um, do you remember certain people I could name? I sent you that one. That's like one of my I all-time favorite songs. It. Yeah, do you remember? What,
3: when I'm when I'm coming back and and I, I apologize to anybody who's listening to this and <laughs> is wondering why I don't remember any of these songs. But I do. Do you guys understand that it's been like twenty yeah, or something yeah. years and and I I would like to think that I l- listen to everything that I've played on, but but I don't. But These are all great, great songs by Flans and and Linnell. That has another couple moments where Linnell encourages the drummer to kind of step out and play some odd rhythms or quarter note triplet. Do you you hear those rhythms in there? (laughs) I'm not as technical, but I, I think I know what you mean. Sounds a little more playful
1: yeah, you're right, and yeah. He, that's like rap patrol du, du, du. Yes. that's funny,
3: and um so th- it's just it was just fun, it was just a lot of a lot of fun to record those it it didn't seem like work, it was you know yeah every every take that we were that we finally decided that 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 was it, you kind of felt like we can't do. We can't do two more of these, you know. What
1: yeah. was there often? Was it a lot of takes usually? Like how how fast moving was this being in the studio with them? Well, for this, well,
3: for John Henry, we had a lot of time. Okay, you know, yeah, because you and, were uh, staying at that. Yeah, <laughs> and I felt that we were like very very relaxed for um, for Factory showroom, and there was another. We did some of Factory showroom at Clinton Studios on Ninth Avenue, mm-hmm. and some of it at the at the old Hit Factory on Fifty Fourth Street. That was a little more rushed, but not not rushed by anybody's standards i mean we had plenty of time but we had a goal for every day like to get a song or two it wasn't wasn't difficult to get a couple couple tracks down Mm -hmm. it was just you kind of wanted to keep playing yeah And it was kind of okay drum drums are done for the day you can go home you know
2: was there like an (laughs) average for like how many how many times uh a track took like how many takes you would do um
3: so yeah, you guys know about takes, right, with drummers and no, stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um I wouldn't say in average. I would say that there I remember, let's see.
2: Or was there one where What was you, the fast
3: song on this on this is, is till my head falls off? Yeah. That was a brutal song to record. Really? Cuz it was very very fast and I had to, you know, just keep it going all the time. Yeah. And right. uh, but again enjoyable. Um,
2: That's kind of those Ramones drums, too, with yeah. like the 16th or I don't know, 32 notes on yes. the hi hat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll break your wrist. Don't
0: interrupt me as I struggle to complete this thought. Have some respect for someone more forgetful than yourself. And I'm not down and I won't
3: be till my head. Falls. But the other ones, yeah, probably like four or five takes, I, I'd say. If I'm wrong, Flans, correct me.
2: <laughs> was there? Um, do you remember if there was a song besides um, Till My Head Falls Off that was just many, many takes?
3: Yeah, like one of those ones like, shoot, are we just ever going like, to get yeah. this? Is this, um, this going to be? Yeah. You know, I mean, I feel like we were all pretty pre- well prepared. I, I, I've, I've read stories of bands, uh, session guys, like, kind of going in the next day and really trying to nail a take, getting it better and better, but I feel like we rehearsed enough and we were playing together. Actually, so a, a lot of these songs were played out live at little clubs like the Mercury Lounge and stuff. Yeah, so like, I remember that did, time. We did a, a string of four or five dates at a time, you know, there. And so that, that was our workshop. So by the time we got in the studio, it was pretty much just like playing, you know, playing yeah. the songs you knew it. Ruff. So, okay, here's,
1: a, uh, here's another. Uh,
3: Exciting
2: new song that we're going to be Woo! concentrating very hard during. Don't hurt Some of these songs we're kind of like making up the words as we go along, but you can't tell
0: because
2: they're new. I can tell. We can tell. We're going to talk about it later in the dressing room. Mind what were you singing? Whoa. <laughs> All
0: right,
1: uh... Five, two, one, two, okay, two, two. S- some technical difficulties. Thanks, everyone. We're back.
2: <laughs> All right, yeah, good to be back. <laughs> it wasn't my fault.
3: <laughs> yeah, look, I'm looking at this uh, on Wik- Wikipedia, Steve Calhoun drums on track six. So he did play That's drums so on,
2: Damn. on New York City.
1: So where were long, we? Long
2: Tall Weekend.
1: Oh, yeah. Okay. So it's, oh, so I really wanted to talk about They Got Lost yeah, because yeah. you're named in They Got Lost. Yeah. What was that like for you and how did they present that to you? Did you <laughs> hear it for the first time?
3: Do you remember <laughs> I told you the story in the previous episode that we, that, um, about the full day's drive away? Mm. Kind of thing, yeah, yeah. how AKA driver came about. Yeah, well, they got lost. I think I'm pretty sure it came about because that, this was back <laughs> in the day when we got like uh, mm. map quest directions, you yeah, know, print, printed out by printed the tour manager. Out. So um, I don't know what what happened, but me and T- Tony and I would. Drive in one car as I, as right, I said, right. Flans and Linell would drive in another car, and Tony and I got incredibly lost like driving you know instead of taking some you know two ninety five we took 9, ninety five or something but we were in the middle of nowhere we were in the in the Midwest <laughs> and we barely made it to the gig. We barely made it to the sound check. It was very, very late. And we, and we, and we were kind of like kicking ourselves in the car. Like, how could, how could we have forgot, you know, how could we have done this? We were like a hundred miles off, off course. (laughs) But when when, when we got there, Flans and Linnell were also late. Uh, They were, they were behind us Yeah, and Flans walked in and he just had a look on his face. Like what, what, what's the deal? Like, why are you guys looking at me? You know, kind of thing. And it wasn't until much later that he admitted that he made the same mistake too. Yeah, and we we weren't telling those guys that we had messed up mm-hmm. and we had gotten incredibly lost. Oh my god! And so that was the realization. So <laughs> that's so and, funny. Th- yeah,
1: you think that's the? Der- I mean, because he had they had said that song was inspired by just what happens constantly. Yeah, but that sounds like a one specific story that might
3: have <laughs> really uh... that was de- definitely one that I remember, and it was before this song. And it was, again, it was really funny because we were, um, I was kind of prodding Flans like, "Oh, hey, hey! So, so how was the ride? Where, <laughs> where, where were you guys? What were you doing? Where, 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 where did you stop it?" And they weren't really saying anything because it was kind of like a a thing where they wouldn't, where they didn't want to let on that they got really lost. Yeah, you know. <laughs> But this was, like, serious Lost like, 150 miles <laughs> out of our way. Oh, my of, God. Yeah. Wow.
2: Graham said to Brian, I see somebody walking this way.
3: So Eric rolled down the window and said, hello, excuse me.
1: Um. So, so you being in the lyrics was that like? What was your reaction to that? Do you remember?
3: I don't really remember. You know, I mean, you know, it's kind of cool to be to be in there. Yeah, know? yeah. You know, twenty something years later, yeah, you know, mortalized. Yeah, yeah, immortalized in in yeah. the songs, pretty pretty cool. Yeah. You know? Is Tony in there too? It's, it yeah, be. it's
1: Graham. Well, it's Graham, Graham said to Brian. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, and I guess that's funny. That does reflect how you guys we're together and then john and john were separate right. well yeah because it, it, the verses like lay that out pretty well i
3: mean a lot of uh, i don't want to get sidetracked but i'm sure that a lot of that's listeners, our whole podcast don't yeah perfect. yeah let's get <laughs> sidetracked um some listeners may not be aware of like how a tour works like you think that you travel all together and you're mm-hmm. you're with each other all the time and that isn't necessarily so like like i yeah. said pre- previously like Tony and I, Tony and I we were our own unit until the soundtrack. We would just show up hmm. and and, hmm. and see these guys again. So it was kind, kind of cool.
1: So I also wanted to talk about Severe Tire Damage, yeah. which is their live album. Um, it's kind of an odd live album because the bulk of it is not... <laughs> when, well, it's not... There's no recorded audience. So they they said you were at some studio it was like oh, a live yes. session at a studio
3: i remember it but now. the
1: audience is if there is an audience they're behind glass or something so because you don't hear anything so for a live album it's strange because there's no applause but then they did put applause from other uh, live recordings <laughs> on the end of some of them okay so that, that i'm not aware it's a of real yet. um it's a real uh, collage of
3: stuff it makes no real sense <laughs> so i i could i could I could tell you what I remember about it. It was somewhere in I'm going to say Wisconsin or Minnesota. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was definitely up there somewhere. And um it was a studio in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. And I don't know how these guys book these <laughs> these dates, but we set up at the studio in the morning and we got and we got sounds and it was as if we were recording uh, an an album. Uh. And yeah, they invited Somehow they had maybe ticket winners or mm-hmm. you know, raffle winners or something mm. come and sit in the control room. So, uh, well, how big so, a crowd is that? Like twenty people, probably twenty, people? maybe twenty-five, oh, thirty wow. people. There okay. were, It wasn't like we were playing in a room where there are people sitting on the floor or something in front of us, mm-hmm. you know. Because I've heard of people. I've heard heard of bands doing that. Yeah, you know. Um, but I think it was just. Yeah, there was like a handful of people in the control room, but it was like a sizable studio. So maybe I'm gonna say 20, 25 people.
2: I'm I feel like band. that's the perfect live album for They Might Be Giants because it's not live and it's just another thing to mess with you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it really confused me for a while. <laughs> yeah.
3: Well, I'm looking at the track list. I know that there are songs on, here that I'm, I'm not on. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Um, so so how, how could it be live and I'm not on it? Huh?
1: Well, so some of, it, so some of it's from live New York, which we talked about. Uh-huh. That's like a 90, 1994 concert. It's mm-hmm. a great concert. Um, I was there. That you're on, yeah.
3: Dr. Worm, I know that I'm not on.
1: Well, that's a record. That's a studio 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 recording, and that's what their that's what their next drummer. Um, It is. I was actually wondering about Doctor Worm. If do you do you know that song?
3: Nah. (laughs) I I wish you know,
1: (laughs) because it's a song where they're singing a disparaging song about a drummer they
3: know. Get the hell out (laughs) of here! Really?
1: And I was like, damn it. Wondering, yes, like, could, could this really
3: be Brian?
1: <laughs> yeah, well, because as Linnell puts it, it's about a, it's about a guy who plays drums and wants to have like a nickname that no one will call him. Wow. Was did you
3: ever? <laughs> no, but 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 I did want to say that I'm at the helm. Remember that part? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like, I'm at the helm. No. Yeah, okay. I, th- I just think,
1: wanted to make sure.
3: Mm, based on I like talking- those guys until until I just found out about this. I got to listen to Doctor Worm now.
2: <laughs> well, I think based on talking to Bill, it's it's something from much uh, earlier than that. You think so? Yeah.
1: Mm, I don't remember. I'll have to. <laughs>
3: <laughs> wow! Off the hook on that <laughs> one. Whoa. Don't want, don't want to be hated by John Linnell. <laughs> no, that overall, not to get sidetracked again. No, it's they, fine. I think. Flans and Linell have such strong feelings about rhythm and drums, yeah. That because they spent years programming their own drums. That
2: right, right. Yes,
3: I'm not. I'm not sure that they re- really liked liked any drummers 100. percent <laughs> You know,
2: uh-huh. I felt
3: I felt welcome most of the time. You know, yeah, yeah. But,
2: sure. Do you think it's like why can't you be more like the machine? Maybe, maybe <laughs> a little like that. Yeah. You know. We were just talking about that on the, the last episode about drum patterns and everything. Yes, yes. But also so, yeah.
3: like, oh, if I could only program this, then then it could be right kind right, of right. thing, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I'll ch- I'll check it out. God, I hope it's not about me. I doubt it. <laughs> and I can't think of a nickname that I want to be called. Yeah,
1: it's probably it's probably not because of the nickname thing. <laughs> Yeah, there's an XTC versus Adam Ants. So yep, that's I'm looking at not that, yeah. different from the album, really. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a weird, it's kind of like the John Henry demos where it's like, it sounds so similar to the album that it's yeah. like a weird live
3: album. We did, so before we roll, We were rolling, I, mm-hmm. Jordan sent me the, um, I mean, um, I bought the copy of the uh, <laughs> of the John Henry dem- demos. Yeah. And uh, we were just commenting that they don't sound much different from, from mm-hmm. the studio recordings. And I'm not sure if that's a testament to the, the songs or that we didn't step out enough and change stuff up. I guess you
1: could look at it either way. Yeah. I mean, you could just be like, they're so solid.
3: But I definitely think that at that, at that point of the tour, we, we could have been playing, in my opinion, we could have been, Messing with the arrangements a little more. So,
1: she's actual size is a great version. That's actually a huge um, highlight of the album. I think. Do you remember that one? Those are crazy drums. Not really. Because she's actual size is very drum driven. Yeah. (laughs) It's hard to say.
3: This brings to mind that for a while they were featuring me on on Frankenstein.
2: Yeah. 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 And uh, (laughs) I was just listening to that. Yeah. Yeah, And
3: uh, (laughs) I. At, I'm not a drum solo kind of drummer. You oh, know? really? And, I was going to just ask. Yeah, it's just kind of... Like, and any of you who are, who are drummers out there, you kind of know that there are some drummers who like really kind of like thrive on this. And I don't really, you know, the chops, the, the kind of setup for a drum solo. Yeah. But um, I really enjoyed doing a drum solo in that song. And I kind of worked up a shtick, to be honest with oh, you. Oh, really? So it was somewhat similar like every night and I knew kind of how to get the audience going. Like yeah. the, the audience to participate a little bit. And then one day, Linnell and Flans, as we were about to go back on for the encore, they kind of like shot, shot it down. They, they, they kind of <laughs> said like, "Darty, you mind? Ch- change it up a little bit tonight. Like play, play, play something different. And I'm thinking like, <laughs> but it's been working for eight weeks now. Like why, why change it up? That, and then that song kinda of went went away.
1: Oh. <laughs> I think they wanted you to express yourself. Yeah, all, totally. totally.
3: <laughs> but I had a thing I had a thing, I had like a formula, a winning formula down. It was a good for for us. It was a good way to kind of stretch things out. And, well, what you know, my drummer kind of, said was you know.
2: a drum solo is very boring after about five seconds. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I don't know. Totally if you agree. agree or disagree. I actually,
3: if for the drummers out there and for the other musicians, <laughs> I like to I yeah. like to play a solo over a riff that's going yes, on. Yeah. Oh sure. The, yeah. Where yeah, the band yeah. keeps playing, it's yeah, much yeah. much more interesting. You know. Mm. Instead, of just like, instead of just like a free flowing drum drum solo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You
2: know? I would agree. Um, anything else? Oh, severe, severe tire
1: damage? damage. No, I mean, I feel like we got a good sense of how that recording happened. Um, yeah,
3: that was, you know what? And I had no recollection of that studio until you brought it up, hmm, but it yeah. was kind of a cool, you know, some, it was like a famous studio somewhere oh, that, okay. that was like a really, really like top flight studio.
2: Was there any discussion beforehand of we're going to do this live show, but it's not going to be live?
3: Not really, there or there were some like, things where the band wasn't really dialed in. It was just yeah. like, show, show up here, show up, it's gonna yeah. be like a live thing. I was sure. like, okay. And I, I don't know if we didn't ask questions because it wasn't our business or if we just right. didn't, what's the difference if we're gonna do a show in front mm. of 20 people or in front of right. like a thousand people. You, know? mm. you just
2: wanted to show that you were ready. Yeah. <laughs>
1: um, so, okay. John Linnell State songs is one of my all-time favorite things ever. I'm just curious from your perspective. Tell me the songs that are on that. Okay. (laughs) Um, South Carolina. Yeah. uh, You're all over that one. You're on Maine. Yeah. And you're on Oregon, I think. Oregon. Um, Pennsylvania. You know what I God, think? Did. I think you're on maybe three out of five of them or something.
3: But did he record more songs later?
1: Yes, yes. He made an album oh. later. Six, it's like 16 oh, songs. That's a great you. album.
3: I'm looking at it right now. I mean, what I do remember is this, sure. this was just me and Linnell. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of very very cool i mean um what's it like eliminating
1: the the Flansburg element in the in the work I,
3: <laughs> in the recording i just remember it being very easy to yeah work with linnell i mean yeah. you would think that it's like a little i don't want to say weird or you know you because like linnell could be a tough nut to crack sometimes sure but i i don't remember any so getting back to dr worm mm-hmm. i don't think he wrote oh. dr worm about me at all <laughs> yeah okay based <laughs> on my knowledge of state state songs no but in all in all seriousness, um, I just remember it being very, very easy mm. and, and like everything flowed easily and he had demos prepared and- but Was there like an engineer? There must've been oh, yeah. at
1: least people I, in the studio, Well, we right? did this
3: at Excello again. So okay. um, the place in Brooklyn, but uh, the short answer to your question is I just, I remember being like fun and easy.
1: Yeah. 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 And-, and um, do you remember him like bringing it up to you, like asking you to do? Yeah,
3: it? yeah, yeah. I do, oh, okay. I do. And I remember feeling feeling honored, like because oh, wow. because I, Fla- it was Flans who Fla- kind of whispered in my ear, like, "Man, I'm hoping that he can make this into like an entire album. Uh-huh. Ooh, maybe you That's guys so can do cute. an album." And so I, you know, all I can think of is like, "Wow, I get to play on a John Linnell, you know, solo album." Right. Yeah.
1: You know? Crash my bicycle. Crash my bicycle
0: south carolina wreck and crash my bicycle and i want some damages and they were punitive by which i mean the punishment was
2: damaging it crushed my hand it crushed my head God's song, where's my dream? this says paul
3: and jelly Paul Angeli, yeah. And mixed by Pat Dillard. So Paul Angeli was um, the Giants front of house live sound guy.
1: Oh, okay. Sure. So
3: he had he had history. He was there before before I was, mm. but he was also great a great uh, recording engineer. So it make, makes sense that yeah. And he knew how Flans and Linnell worked, you know. Yeah, like yeah. Another Massachusetts guy,
1: because Flansburg like seems very like take charge in the studio, and there's like a so he has like this work momentum. And you found that like Linnell on his own was like similar, or like you said, it was like a kind of a different or just easier. I would just
3: say that like the music was more about the music mm. and. The flow, flow, flow of everything—what mm. ha- happen a lot more naturally, I'd say—and whereas maybe Flans is always wanting to. Uh, Make different stuff happen and see if the see if the rhythm can do more and what what can the band you know trying to squeeze more more out of a band in in a good way both yeah, both yeah. work both work modes were both work work styles are very very good you yeah know? yeah well because you you guys have seen the giants but if you see John Linnell with like a Barry saxophone yeah,
0: yeah. Stra-
3: strapped around his neck like <laughs> but it's so great being in a in the studio with him where he's like mm-hmm. he's got his accordion set up you know and he's got the Barry saxophone on a stand and then he's got his keyboard set up. <laughs> wow. Is it
2: all hi-hat only? Yeah, I think you're.
3: <laughs> it's Solonel, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the train chugging down, the train passing through Pennsylvania. Right. <laughs> you know? I mean, it's not, it sounds to me that, I mean, from, from, I'm not remembering this, but if I could just comment on it, it sounds to me like Linnell is just always free to, he's like in touch with the source. He can just kind of express (laughs) it, right? Yeah. Yeah. I agree. That's that's what this sounds like to to me, you know, where maybe he's, maybe for this project, he's not concerned with like a partner and how, how, how it sits with somebody else. Yeah. I mean, but it sounds great. No, I remember just being a great pleasure to, to work, to work with John Lennon? Do
1: I, I don't want to ignore Maine because Maine is like maybe one of my all time favorite songs. Uh, so if you remember any, I know Main has a, a cannon in it.
2: Okay, hold so on. So do you remember
1: we'll playing it. a cannon? Uh, no, do you, how do you but, play a
2: cannon.
3: Yeah, if if I'm listening back back to this, you know, it just sounds like the drummer is allowed to play, you know. This is like like a good groove where mm-hmm. where we're not stopping and starting. You know, it's not it's not too strict. Hmm. It is kind of it does kind of ha- have an innocent uh, feel <laughs> feel to it. You yeah. know? But again, it was just very very easy. I, rem- I I I do have an image of Linnell across the room from me mm-hmm. playing a keyboard. So I think he played all the reference stuff on a mm. keyboard. And then obviously went back and,
0: yeah. and, um,
3: and I remember being knocked out by all the demos mm-hmm. and, and again, just feeling like, man, I'm going to be working with John Linnell,
0: yeah. uh,
3: just, just us in the studio. It's going to be yeah. really, really cool. You know?
1: So you had mentioned that you played with Monopuff. Was that yeah. once or?
3: Just once. Okay. Just one, tell, please tell us how one that One date. And I, I, you know, <laughs> I guess, uh, I guess they were short a drummer. I mean, maybe mm. the drummer couldn't make it. It was it was a music festival in, I'm going to say St. Louis. And it wasn't what we were accustomed to, right? Because yeah. we, again, we were playing in clubs with like 12, 1500 people or small theaters and stuff. Mm-hmm. And we went, we played a music festival where we were where we were not on the main stage. We were oh, okay. kind of like <laughs> in the other tent. You know? Yeah, sure. <laughs> or like, maybe we didn't even have a tent. We were just the stage out in the middle of, middle of the field. And there was probably like a hundred I'm gonna say like a hundred people mm-hmm. there to see us. <laughs> so, but it was good. It was fun. And I remember Dan Levine, the trombone player was with us. Oh. Eric Skirmerhorn. Yes. Played guitar. I remember Hal played bass. Yeah. Hal Cragen played bass. Did Ooh. you like
1: cram at the last second? Like how yeah, was the how yeah, s- yeah. build up to that? If
3: I didn't describe it earlier, it was, yeah, I think, I think we may have done one or two rehearsals or wow. they had given me like a rehearsal tape, mm. but I have a pretty good routine of like transcribing people's music and like getting Mm. it down and writing. And once I've written it down, I pretty much have a good grasp of it. Interesting. So, so, uh, I think I learned his entire set, but I remember having, having fun and, and and it being like a very Mm. relaxed show, Mm. but we were, we were definitely used to playing like bigger, bigger (laughs) audiences, you know, but it was, it was very, very cool.
1: (laughs) And just, uh, is there any uh, observation with the Linnell element not there now, as opposed to with states? Like, was there yeah. any difference in?
3: <laughs> there's definitely a difference. Yeah, yeah there's definitely th- that. Linell is such a strong musical force, mm. in my opinion, that maybe in this in this case, like somebody like Eric may have been like the musical director, or like mm-hmm. hmm. suggesting orchestrations and chord. Inversions and stuff like that, but mm-hmm. that's the kind of stuff that Linnell always does.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's so interesting. He
3: takes that part or like background vocal arrangements. Yeah. Right? So yeah. Linnell's great at great at, great at that. Oh yeah. On his songs and other people's songs. Mm. Yeah. You know?
1: I know Flansburgh did say for him uh Monopuff was like a real collaboration with Hal Cragen. Yeah. Ba- like he Howl he kind air. of said like yeah. there's no Monopuff without Hal, yeah. like out of everyone else. Yeah. So I I, I don't know if that if like, like, what was as a bass player? Because you're a drummer, like playing with Hal. Do you remember that at well, all? Because he's a, he's well, a, well, everybody
3: should player. know that Hal and Eric had history together. They've worked in different bands. Mm. And that, so those two guys were kind of a force mm. when they came to Monopuff. And yeah. then Eric played with They Might Be Giants. So, yeah. Um, I don't remember too much of like, you know, the, it being an overwhelming sensation or, you know, <laughs> yeah. but, but it being a, a nice collaboration, you know, mm-hmm. of, of those guys. Eric those on guys? um
1: Factory Showroom is pretty interesting. and It was kind of controversial for fans at the time. If you want insight into like the fan reaction.
3: Tell me, yeah, tell
1: me. So the uh, Flansberg used to say, like in the eighties, he used to say, no guitar solos, yeah. we're a band. Songs are less than two minutes. No guitar solos. We're not about you know cock rock kind yeah. of stuff. factory showroom. comes. so John Henry comes out and there's some guitar solos, but they're very um, they feel right. They're very melodic. Yeah, they're melodic not. Driven, they're and not and show. And played by
3: Flans probably. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Or Jay Sherman Godfrey. Yeah. So, but oh there's still I'm just more like melodic now. Yeah. Really. Yeah, oh, yeah, like, um, but so yeah, they're 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 structured mm-hmm. and they're kinda like what you'd expect from they might be giants, they're not. But then Factory Showroom comes out and Eric is kinda showing off on every track and doing these blazing solos and the songs are going towards five minutes long and fans are getting a bit worried like what happened to to this this band is breaking their rules which i don't think is a bad thing right especially with when you're a musician but but it was interesting Uh, i don't know if you remember any of that change of attitude in the studio
3: like yeah let's just put three guitar solos in a row all all i can say i can say (laughs) I, i have two reactions one is that the Flan solos in my perception or, mm-hmm. or the way, or according to my recollection were kind of crafted by Linnell. Like, <laughs> Linnell would Ooh. craft them. Interesting. And I'm not going to say that he would tell Flans what to play, but he might suit like the signature melodies that guitars yeah, would sure, play. Sure. And the, and the, and the dual, the harmonized leads and stuff like that. That makes mm. sense. And if Do I'm wrong- Do you mean in
1: all, in Linnell's songs or in any- No, in all the even songs. Even any, wow, Yeah, because wow. if
3: you think about it, those would be overdubs where it would just be those two oh, yeah, in the studio yeah, yeah. and um, I witnessed some, some of it. Oh, cool. And, and, if, and if I'm wrong, Linnell, then sorry. <laughs> but I think that that's exactly what happened. But when Eric joined the band, I could definitely feel that Flans had this- Thing like ah, oh, I don't have to like worry about the guitar chair that much. Like, <laughs> oh, I got somebody else to like worry about all the chords all the yeah. time, and I can I can interact with the audience and jump around, and I have to worry about being on and playing. Right? Because mm. up until that point, he was the only guitar player. He's jumping yeah. around on stage. He was the only guy in kind of um, chatting with the audience a lot. You know, so it's like yeah. t- tremendous load off.
1: Do you remember anything about Jay? Cherno? No,
3: up until now I hadn't remembered him at all. But yeah, I think, uh, he is on we, John Henry. We, I'm sure. I, I'm sure I did a rehearsal with him or something. But I remember him being being an excellent musician. But yeah. there was a lot of people like like that that came from the the They Might Be Giants camp before I joined. Mm-hmm. So, but he's a revered guitar player. Yeah.
1: So before we we get to leaving they might be giants i guess any last minute like memories or from you know before we move on yeah. from the top the big topic yeah yeah. any other stories live shows recording anything i don't know yeah. like you can-
3: well first of all i'll say that it's been great to kind of go through all of this yeah because it's oh, really awesome. kind of sparked a lot of met well of course you're I don't remember a lot of the songs, but it's definitely sparked more memory than I had of it of, of this stuff, you know, yeah. uh, two more than two weeks ago. And no, um, <laughs> it was a, what a, what a pleasure and an honor to like work work with these guys. Mm-hmm. So that's really what I come away with. But I did I did want to talk about our love of coffee. Yes, <laughs> and um, please do. And uh, <clears throat> we would rehearse in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, and really spend most of our time either talking or going out for coffee. And there was a place called the L Cafe on 6th Street or Bedford Mm. and 6th. I don't think it's there anymore. Oh, okay. And um, that was really the only place. This was before Starbucks was like on every corner. Yeah. And um, we would like just, just, that was one of the, one of the, one of the choice moments of of the day when it was just like coffee time, you yeah. know, we'd walk a couple <laughs> blocks and like get like strong espresso and strong <laughs> cappuccinos and and kind of sit and kind of talk and you know and maybe have a pastry. Yeah. And then when we were on tour, we were always trying to find the good coffee places. So we would compare coffee places. We one of us would find something and Linell would say, "There's there's a place four blocks away. Let's go." So it was kind of kind of kind of cool. We had a common. <laughs> the coffee brought us together a lot but i have one very specific memory in we were in portland oregon and mm. i'm sure you guys in la now will remember this <laughs> if you know when they check this podcast out and i'm sure that they're Sorry. listening right now when yeah um Not if we we went to a coffee place called coffee people uh-huh. and it's still around <laughs> I've, I've i've looked them up in mm. portland oregon and there was a coffee there was an espresso coffee that had something like 25% more caffeine in it. I don't know how they did it. And we all like pointed at the board, like that's what we want. (laughs) We're gonna check that out. And we got our drinks and it kind of messed us up for like three days. Wow, All of us, all of us, yeah, like no no one slept. You know, and um you know like the next morning it was like, Hey, you know, did you guys sleep last night? No, no are you kidding me? I was up all night. So for us to be like, you know, we were like serious coffee junkies, this stuff kept us up and it was no joke, but I'm such a bad coffee guy that like when I got back home to upstate New York, I I mail ordered this stuff and started started drinking it wow. and I kinda kinda got used to it, you know. Oh wow and um Anyway, that was just like a fun thing because like we had so much fun um, s- sussing out where where all the coffee places were, and we we would do the same thing with 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 restaurants. We we'd go back to mm. cities. I I don't know if I mentioned this in a previous pre- previously, but like Columbia, Missouri was one of our favorite. I don't know smaller smaller towns, but like it had great restaurants. We had like a couple favorite restaurants there. We had. I remember eating food in San Francisco at, you know, some, uh, mm-hmm. I, th- I think the restaurant was called The Stinking Garlic. <laughs> and that, you know, we would go there, you know, every time we'd, we'd come back. So there were places that we kind of look forward to, coming back, hey, we're gonna be in San Francisco next week. Let's really go there. So it's kind of cool to have this kind of friendship with a band like this, where we're really looking yeah. forward to, you know. I do have a very vivid memory as well on about being, well, we, were, we loved St. Louis. Mm. That was a great place to play. And the Giants were very popular there. We, I forget the name of the club we'd play there downtown. And, um, but it was a smaller club. And so it was a hot summer day and there'd be fans waiting outside. You know, it was like general admission. So fans would wait outside at like 11 AM and getting beat up by the sun, no water or anything. And then Two o'clock, we we would roll in and kind of like be sound checking in an empty club. There'd still be fans outside. Sometimes I I would walk through the fans and just start like talking to people, Mm. (laughs) just chatting. I knew that that show was going to be sold out. And when I came back to the gig, right when it was our time to play, I came back to the gig and I kind of walked past the front of the theater knowing where the backstage door was and I came to the front of the theater first past it and I saw saw this group of fans go like oh man we drove Mm. all the way here from Chicago and we can't get Mm. in damn it man they were like talking to each other and there was there was a lot of them maybe not 30 but there was maybe 20 (laughs) 20 25 people and um and they didn't notice me at all I and you know and not, not that they should and um, <laughs> I said, hey, you guys trying to get into the show in there? They're like, yeah, 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 we are. I said, come with me. Yeah. <laughs> and so they were like, where are we going? Like, okay, I'll, I'll show you. I think I can, I, I can get you in. And so this was, this was the days before like tight security and everything. <laughs> um, so I, I walked them to, to the backstage door. I showed them my pass and I said, these are all, this is all my family. I got my cousin, <laughs> yeah, my cousins. And the, and the guy you with know, the security was like, oh, okay. And I let them all in the backstage. <laughs> Wow. Door and um, we had something prearranged. Like in the thirty seconds that it took us to like walk around the, the back of the building, mm-hmm. I said, "And by the way, if anybody asks you, you're my cousin, you're <laughs> my aunt, you're my blah blah blah. Yeah. We're all relatives." And like, okay, cool, we'll go along with it. So wow. that, and then I kind of like ushered them off into the crowd, and then there, there they went. Scattered. You know, <laughs> but it felt kind of good to
2: you know. <laughs> That's great. Kind of like wow. We need do more, that Yeah. More bandmates like yeah. that. <laughs> um, Let us in.
1: So okay, so do you wanna do you wanna talk about uh the, leaving the band, any of that stuff? I know you had a chapter called The End Dash the
3: Truth.
2: Yeah. Which is a very yeah, dramatic yeah. sound. I know. <laughs> <laughs> dun, dun, dun. And we asked for specifically painful memories.
3: <laughs> so. They're coming. The pain, the pain's about to come. <laughs> Le- leaving leaving a band like th- or leaving a situation like this is never good you know hmm. it's never easy i mean i you, you feel like you're friends with these people you've been through a lot with yeah with everybody um i think in hindsight it was just about a life change you know i guess mm-hmm. I, I I saw the ceiling i wasn't a partner in the band i wasn't partaking in the merchandising yeah you know income stream and they had given me a, a little piece of parts of Uh, the mechanical royalties Mm. but they were always parts that really never went anywhere the dollars didn't to really add up and so this kind of went hand in hand with me kind of giving up all my other clients and Mm. really kind of like having nothing else to go on other than they they might be giants. so the last show i did with them was in at at madison square garden opening up for blues traveler (laughs) on new year's eve Um, that was kind of it. I knew that that could that could have been my last date, so I I, I politely asked the management to pay me in cash for that for that date, uh. <laughs> and they did. And then after that, it was just kind of like Flans and Linnell didn't say anything. I mean, I said nothing to them. I was kind of hoping that they'd be like, "Is everything okay? Can we work yeah. something mm, out? Sure. Are you going to be with us in two weeks?" And maybe they thought I was disgruntled, and but we never we never discussed anything, so it was very very weird. Yeah, sure. so sounds weird. The whole thing. Yeah. And um that's really it. And then they afterward severe tire damage came out and a bunch of other yeah. stuff came out, but and and I'm sure they rehearsed quickly with another drummer. Yeah. And set off on their way. So, yeah, yeah. so at at a time where I thought that, you know, I was like irreplaceable. <laughs> Don't ever think you're irreplaceable, by uh-huh. the way. Because you can always be replaced. Yeah. Keep so, that in mind,
1: Dave. Yeah. Uh, Dave. Yeah. What I um, do? Uh, and there's never been any communication with them since. Or did you follow their career at all? I mean, I assume it'd be like <laughs> there'd not
3: really be a reason to, from yeah. your perspective. So yes, you're right on that. But is, okay. in, that, <laughs> yeah. in that regard, um, yeah. No, I, I, I guess I felt bitter. You know, I, I sure, felt yeah, bitter yeah. for for a while. Like, why? Why would you want to? You know, it's like being dumped by your girlfriend. Yeah. You know? yeah. Why yes. would I want to know who she's dating? You know? Yeah. I, and, get, um, it. I get it. But, um, no, it's definitely one of the prou- prou- prouder moments of my, w- one of the highlights of my career. Mm-hmm. Um, Flans and I had a couple email exchanges in like 2011 or two, oh. two, 2012 after, after that, after I wrote that piece uh, in my blog about weird. Al. Oh, yes. And, um, <clears throat> so it came about where, you know, he, Flans said, I don't know if I explained it the last episode you, uh, you can, on uh, Mike uh, 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 or not, but, but I'll, but. But I'll do it here. But in 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 their defense, Flens kind of like stated the case where maybe me talking about stuff like that wasn't good for business. And yeah, and I I acquiesced and agreed, and I I, I profusely apologized, and I, mm. I, I think the the subject of my email was forgive me for being an ass or sorry for being uh-huh. an ass, <laughs> some some like that, like because I didn't mean to I didn't mean to like mess, mess anybody up. And then yeah. after we may we may have had like one more email exchange where we just like. Just like kind of catching up, but Mm. I don't think he really had an interest in catching up. It was more like just like delivering the message to me. And um, that, and absolutely no communication with Linnell at all. And, um, but for this, so everybody knows, I did invite Flans to join me for this interview.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And (laughs) And he even said that I would be here. Yes, (laughs)
3: Yes, <laughs> I did.
2: I said he's like Do you da- know Dave Fox? Jordan and Dave would be yeah, here, yeah. and he was like, "Oh, Dave's there." But
3: um, <laughs> I thought it would be interesting if if Flans were here because there's, I'm sure that me talking about this stuff would spark a lot of memories sure. on his end as well. So, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, no communication well, you know, with those our guys. Our podcast at
2: all. is for healing. I yeah, think. there so, you go. Mm-hmm. I,
1: I got to say again, I, I thought I thought that Weird Al story was fascinating, really well written, really funny. Oh, thank you, thank you. Really, and I don't think anyone comes off as, as super bad. I think you can understand every point of view in it. I was talking to this other fan I know about this actually mm-hmm. uh, after the first interview we did. I was just, we were just saying, it's like we could see ourselves. It's like we can see that your side, I want to meet Weird Al. That'd be cool. Yeah, yeah. But you could also see... You know they're so he had a good he had an interesting point i might cut all this out but he, he might an interesting point where it's just like so weird al is just like this especially lately this ultra respected kind of alt comedy icon like he's does cameos and all these like hipster comedy shows right. yeah he's
2: on like tv i saw 30 yeah. rock with him on it yeah so yeah he, yeah, so,
1: yeah he's everywhere so
3: well whereas, he's cornered the market on that you yeah. know? yes
1: whereas they might be giants still have the stigma of they're a goofy novelty band
2: right which is bizarre which is <laughs> such
1: a bizarre um cir- like outcome when one is weird al and one is they might be Gi- and they might be giants have all of all very serious songs and you know they're right. just rock mute they're a rock band yeah. yeah so it's like it's kind of the the irony of, of this is what he was saying the irony of like were being so concerned and but it, it Whereas like Weird Al is, is so revered, yeah, even by the most like, you know, cynical comedy people, yeah, right? Like, you know, and and they might be giants. Like some people are like, oh, they're like a silly band. Yeah. And it's like so backwards. It's very strange.
3: <laughs> you know, I guess I didn't understand the, I guess I didn't, you know, either, I didn't know the context, right? Yeah. When I, when I was witnessing it. And then when I was writing about it, you know, I didn't, wasn't really hyper aware of, of the context, right? Yeah. It'd be like, uh, yeah, Bono wants to meet you after the show. Like, yeah. Uh, cool. Yeah. I want to meet him too. Please. Yeah. You know? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so. yeah. The
1: thing is I, I have a lot of, there's a lot of interviews with they might be giants where they just say, they really don't like when people laugh at their, right. what they're doing. Yeah. Cause they see it as serious, even though there's a lot of humor, but there's, so that's yeah, not wanting to, have photos of them in weird are now circulating those
3: photos would be like <laughs> there forever
1: yeah you know? exactly yeah. yeah
2: exactly well i think it's also but, hard to keep the the uh, i don't know i guess integrity of your brand you know especially when some of those boundaries are a little bit blurred already yeah mm-hmm. and you never know like it, it's well there's like a fear there you know there's like a maybe overreaching okay just yeah. like out of fear well to
3: to your point i mean Seems like they're very aware of their brand and that they're very mm-hmm. protective of it yeah. too. So it's like yeah. they've they, they corner the market on their brand too. So mm-hmm. right.
1: And also to to your defense, though uh, about that story, like honestly, there's like tell-alls about you know bands that go come out like books that are like no one really cares like the dirt, yeah, yeah. Yeah, But like, (laughs) does that ever make any band lose their popularity? No, no. no. I've read increases. I've read uh, books about Talking Heads and The Smiths, and bands that I like. There's some dirt in there, but I'm just like I don't. I listen to the albums
3: all the time. Absolutely, makes it more interesting.
1: Yeah, in a way. Mm, So I, I do think that there's might have been an, an overreaction from them about your, yes. your blog or your book uh, because I, I honestly found it uh, really interesting um, putting yourself inside of that. That bubble, right. that they mm-hmm. might be giant's bubble. Well, yeah. I'll tell. I'll, I'll tell
3: you what I told Flans in the email. I said I yeah. would, I still want to tell my story, but I'll. I have to figure out a different way to deliver it. Maybe sure. That's, that's number one. And number two is that if you think about it, at that point in my life, eight years ago, I didn't want to go get into like email exchanges and arguments and yeah, calls from yeah, lawyers, course, yeah. and it was like me against like you know yeah you know the, the United States government or something. It's like I don't want to have to go go through that so how yeah. important right even though I'm, I'm agreeing that i probably could not be sued for it but i'm not there i wasn't there yet mm-hmm. but i could i have i have that outline and I, I think i could flesh it out with everything else that i've done you know
1: well that that's super interesting and again yeah. i love that but i've read that blog post like cool 10 times i'm i'm, I'm cause, so happy because it's nice to get a like it's well i guess i couldn't say it's unbiased but it's nice to get like the Something about the band that's, fr- that's not just like approved by
3: the people. <laughs> well, I was the fly in the wall, you know? Yeah, it's like exactly. sitting behind the drums, like listening to all this happen. So I yeah. don't feel like it was disingenuous. I mean, it was, yeah. you know, or like I was trying to nail somebody, you know? Yeah, yeah there's
1: just if an interest. If you interesting.
3: think about it, they could probably sell out arenas. Yeah. We- Weird Island, they might be giants.
1: Yeah, <laughs> if they did a tour
3: together, right?
1: I agree.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> I completely <laughs> agree with that. Any booking Weird ages out tried. there? Yeah, said he reached out to them to open for them to be their his opener, and they said no.
2: Um, what if he said he'd be their opener? I've
3: got one other thing to say about that, which is yes. that, and <laughs> I can't, I can't, maybe I can't articulate it well enough, but or maybe you can help me if you can. But they might be giants have enjoyed being in. Not on the top of the heap, they've enjoyed being somewhere in the middle ground. Yeah, mm-hmm. the whole way. For
0: sure. Like, yeah.
3: Never on the. They're never on the bottom, and and yes. they're always. They're they're like a vapor creeping through the uh, ducts. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> they're like always there. They're they're ever present, but they're never like way up top. Mm-hmm. And so, like, they're somehow like always flying below the radar, or whatever yeah. under the radar, and they seem to enjoy that. Yes. You know, like that's that's a great business model. Like yeah. so they've had a slow and steady business model the entire way. Like you kind of you know, avoid
1: the catastrophes exactly. when you're huge. Just
3: think of the Rembrandts who wrote um yes. the um friend yeah. Friends, Friends song. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, great song, but that where's it. their career? Yep. You know? And I think that it's per- it's purposeful. It's yeah. not it wasn't just by happenstance like, oh well, we just ended up here, mm-hmm. we're gonna stay here. It's like they are enjoying this they've enjoyed this slice of the sub subterranean mm-hmm. whatever slice yeah. that, that they've, that, that they've been on the entire time, mm-hmm. you know, from. Did
1: that manifest in any, any conversations at the time when like during the good times, like the, the, the popularity or, cause you did mention in your blog, that you started out by saying like, this is kind of a weird time for
3: them. It seemed to me at the time, the only feeling that I, I think overall they were, I hate to say this, they were worried about the financial burden of carrying a band now. It's like, they were like, now on tour, I don't know, maybe before it was them and a couple road, road guys, you know. But now it was like six other, you know, bass player, drummer, two horn players, and six, seven weeks of that, you know, plus a bus, plus the cars, plus everything else you know a drum hmm. drum tech right. and it was, all of a sudden it was a big financial burden and that's that's kind of what i felt from from them it was kind of like oh is this really going to work kind of interesting kinda thing. but to get back to the blog and the idea of that yeah. of that of that time like i i really feel that you know it was an exciting time for the giants and and um I mean, it has to be why they they released the demos of of John Henry. I, that's and, well. That,
1: I keep going back to that. And they
3: could be nostalgic about it. Yeah. And I haven't heard them since you know mm-hmm. last week. And they're very similar to what we recorded in yeah, the studio. Yeah, yeah. Actually, um, out of jail. Hmm. I can't recall l- listening to that, but I I know that Linnell came up with a new bridge for that in the studio. Really? Yeah. Oh <laughs> wow. The did 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 did. I think. I don't know. So I remember oh, no, him, that's cool. him, that's him cool coming, up, coming up with something, and come to think of it, so maybe, the, and we talked about this in in the earlier mm-hmm. part of the episode, but they were collaborating with producer Paul Fox. So yeah, maybe they were waiting for all three of them were waiting for somebody else to come up with <laughs> a better idea, and a better idea didn't didn't happen. Uh, so, well, I, I mean, I love that's it. That's good. No, that's a, so. What was there was great. So
1: well, what I love about John Henry, you know, is just. It's not constantly reminding you how clever they are. (laughs) Yeah.
3: yeah, yeah. Well, since we've been talking about treading that fine line between comic, you know, um, being the joke band and, but John Henry like kind of, I guess it kind of put them on the map as like being like a real, like real songwriters that wrote great songs, great vocals. Great lyrics. Without any, like,
0: gimmicks like, gimmick, or gimmick,
3: anything, No gimmicks yeah. or no crazy voices and no <laughs> yeah. choral,
1: right? I mean, no, right? I, that's a huge... Actually, it's a huge point. Because the, yeah. it used to be that every other song had a character voice. Right.
3: I could tell you that we approached the recording of that record as, like, a real band. Yeah, I mean, we're and I that. didn't really know the... To be honest with you, I, I had known of They Might Be Giants, but I didn't really know their work before mm. that... Um, so I, even though I had played some of their songs live, yeah, coming into the studio to do John John Henry, we were playing like a like a band like bands that I had always worked with. So yeah. for me, it was th- business as usual, it was just right. like the so blank page for them. For them, you know. it may, this may have been a total turn, you know, turn yeah page turner. So <laughs> That's it's so really funny. really it's cool. Yeah. I never
1: thought of it like that, yeah. like from your point of view, just like. It's just a normal band, but yeah, from their yeah, point of view, it's, like, like a huge a left bit. turn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's so funny. Um, well, that's why I was interested in Factory Showroom, like, doing it again. Like, was there, like, some, like, you know, not to keep getting stuck more in it. More
2: comfortability. But,
1: yeah. Was there, like, were they, like, oh, let's do what we did on John Henry again? Or was it more, like, let's do we we got to do something different because we already did. You know what I mean? I think it
3: was more more of that. I mean, mm-hmm. I never got I never got the sense that they were like, "Hey, John Henry works so great for us. We worked <laughs> so great as a unit that yeah. we should just like keep keep that going." I I always yeah. felt that that's that was behind us. We no longer have a record deal or, or whatever, you know. we mm-hmm. We're a different band now, kind kind of thing. So
1: um, okay, so I think we should move on to, to the non-TMBG stuff. All right. <laughs> Though if anything Hopefully
3: we'll keep the audience in, at this point.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> People <laughs> have the option. They could put it on 2X speed. Exactly, yeah. right. My um, voice will be very high. Yeah. Um, so, okay, you, well, you wrote us a list of things you want to talk about. So. Just make it
3: real, real, like like a lightning round. We'll keep it oh my short God. and sweet.
1: Okay, so you Broadway show. I mean, I don't know if you want to go in order, chronological order, but we don't have to for sure. What What did you do right after? they might be Yeah, dying. that's great.
3: Great yeah. question. Yeah. Right after them, I I starved. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. um, no, but I I I I played with bands. I did every session that came my way. I did a couple songs with Mike Viola of the Candy mm, Butchers. Yeah, I yeah. I just I I just really tried to put 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 myself out there in New York. Did I mean, you, you know.
1: have cred from?
3: That's a great question. Like, did
1: you use the- Here's the answer. <laughs> yeah. Ready for
3: the answer? Drum roll. No, I had no credibility. Wow. Like, yeah. Really? You would think, and you would hope that, but, you know, outside of you guys, like, loving John Henry, which is why, <laughs> which is why we, we've been doing this interview for 14 hours. Right. Um, no, but um, you would think that, yeah, uh, producers and artists would be like, Other yeah, that, that guy, you know, from They Might Be Giants. Like, yeah. Let's get him. Like, yeah. None of that happened.
1: That's no, shocking to the I mean,
3: world. And I'm telling you that it just could be like, I don't know. I mean, do you know who the bass player of, um, you know, the Del Fuego's was? I mean, I, <laughs> so, I, I, so it could be could be for any one of a number of reasons mm-hmm. that nothing, nothing, nothing oh. happened. Now, I wasn't able to u- use it for yardage, yeah. you know. So that's, um yeah that
1: that's shocking
3: Times were like a little tough in the music business and and I think the business was changing for for oh, freelancers yeah. as well and any of you out there who are actually who who have been freelancers you know how diff- difficult it is so yes So um <laughs> yes. It's I actually tough.
1: would like to talk about that. Yeah, very, that could, very, very We, we very, like very to tough. end every interview with a, long, a, a depressing... Uh, exactly,
3: man, how tough it is. Don't the, do this. Don't the, go into the music business. Yeah,
1: well, I'm, the Joshua Freed one. The last two we did are like that. Well,
3: I, don't, I, I, I didn't listen to that t- to that episode, <laughs> yeah. but I would like to end this episode with don't go into the music business <laughs> yeah. kind of thing. Kids. <laughs> I mean, kids what
1: you said reminds me, you know, I, I did music, and I'm probably going to cut this out, but I did music for The Daily Show mm-hmm. two years ago, and... It's like since Nothing. since <laughs> doing that, things got worse for yeah. me. I thought it was going to be this huge resume builder, and I put it all over my website. And I you should keep this in, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> but, I, but I, and I opened every email to a prospective, uh, you know, collaborator. Oh, I did music for the Daily mm-hmm. Show, blah blah blah. And I, I've never had more of a. a, a Dead streak of music jobs than in the past telling two you. years. It's really bizarre. It's really, I really don't crazy. Understand.
2: Yeah, I don't think there's any formula for what has legs and what mm. doesn't. There's it's not
3: nothing. I'm telling you. That's and so depressing. you know what? Yeah. So I'm sorry to hear that, but I feel <laughs> like no, <laughs> yeah. I can, I can. It resonates with me. Um, I'm, interesting. I'm mm-hmm. Very, very tough. So I, I kind of reinvented myself, to be honest with you. you oh, know you I, tell, yeah, I, you I, I, I be, I played, uh, I. I played in you know wedding bands and <laughs> for, for private parties and I took singer songwriter gigs again and oh cool you know like little demo sessions and I really kind of got myself out there and then I I became a teacher in the New York yeah. City Department of Education wow and just as that happened just just as I thought like ah oh, well I'll I'll do music part time I fell into the Broadway world uh-huh. and <laughs> just just by happenstance and it, this is Giants related because when sure. we were at Clinton studios on Ninth Avenue Recording Factory showroom. Upstairs, they were recording the cast album for Rent. Okay. And in, you know, on a coffee break in the, mm-hmm. you know, in in the lounge, I bumped into two of the musicians who were recording it and ended up that they were old friends of mine and wow. I was like, oh yeah, you're recording the uh, cast album for Rent, yeah. So they were like, if ever one day we need a sub on drums, we should bring you in. I was yes. like, absolutely. <laughs> I thought nothing of it and then, at this time, you know, X amount of months after I'm not with, the might be giants anymore. I get a call from the guys yeah. at rent They're like you should come in and learn, learn, learn the show, you know? wow. And so that's actually how I got my start on Broadway is, wow. you know, if you're not familiar with how it works for, no. for musicians on Broadway, there are roughly about 400 shows a year. Wow. Eight shows Thanks. a week. So it's impossible for one musician per chair to like do all the shows. Wow. So, they need subs. Sometimes those subs are very, very active. Like almost like you do like half the shows a year. And some of those, sometimes those subs are further down the list where you do like one mm-hmm. a month. So I've been at the top of the list and at the bottom of the list for different shows. So wow. I worked at Rent for almost its entire run. I worked at Hairspray for its entire run. And that, and that was a big one for me because I worked a lot of shows there. And I worked at Little Shop of Horrors when that was Oh, open. cool. <laughs> that was a great show. Yeah, That's, that's, that's I, probably fun. That was great. A lot of, a lot of fun. I worked on a show with Bob Dylan and Twyla Tharp, workshopping wow. the show, to its, yeah, to its fruition, seeing it through from from its you know inception to the times and, they are, are, yeah. The changing. times they are That's changing. That's the name of the show. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. Um, so you worked with Bob Dylan.
3: Yeah, I can say that, but I'll tell you, like, <laughs> I never spoke with him. You know, I never oh, really? I never met him. It's not not the kind of guy you're really gonna like chat with and. No, I I didn't really have any interaction with him. I, I worked mostly with Twilight, Twilight Tharp and then yeah, she, I know she worked know,
1: with David Byrne.
3: Yeah, David Byrne and she worked with Billy Joel. And, yeah, you know, she's what's she's she like, like? It's very very intense but cool. Hmm. Really really cool. Like good, you know. She wanted she wanted the musicians to like really really play and and she's a great dance dancer and cho- mm-hmm. choreographer. So one of the one of the great geniuses yeah. of our time.
1: She's in, a, in the Talking Heads book I read. Mentions her a lot. Yeah,
3: she's she epitomizes like modern dance, you know. Interesting. So um, I did a show with them, and and then most recently I've been on at, on at the show Waitress on Broadway. Hmm. Oh wow! And that I've been How, doing there, a lot.
1: Like you've been doing that like.
3: A lot, How recent. A lot, like I did it last night, for instance, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I did it wow. five times this past weekend, and wow. I'll be there if depending on when this airs, I'll be there all of August, eight shows a week, okay. and all of September, awesome. You know, That's and probably so some great. of some of October as well. Yeah, you guys should come down. Oh, so the
1: ep- interview is having in like a happy ending.
3: I, <laughs> yeah. I was hitting more <laughs> um, the uh, and the music That's is so by cool. Sarah Borellis and uh, okay,
2: what's the contrast between playing in rock band, playing in Broadway show?
3: But if you come and see this show, wait wait, Trace, the band is right on stage. cool. Oh, okay. There's five well, there's actually six of us. One guy's down, downstairs. Mm. But there's five musicians on the stage and the music is great and they just want the band to really, really play. It's not you're not I'm not like really really I, I'm not I'm not tapping at the drums, I'm like really wailing on the drums. Cool the whole time so you're pretty visible 80% of the show I'd say wow yeah.
2: wow do you think there's more of a pressure to not make mistakes in a Broadway show
3: absolutely <laughs> this is a no jokes yeah. situation where yeah. like there's no room for mistakes um, if a, if a mistake happens it's not the end of the world everybody has like a little chuckle you know hmm. yeah yeah everybody has like a little chuckle but it's not really the forum to like <laughs> kind of like make huge mistakes. You don't make, you yeah. don't make mistakes.
2: Cause I remember just, I, just like real quick aside, just like my, my folks are huge opera people, classical mm-hmm. music people. And they would take me when I was a kid and no one, like there was never a mistake once. And never. if there was a mistake, it was like a controversy. Like I think right. one or two times you like so many, it was like a, the crowd would know. And this like wave went through the crowd, like, oh, that guy's losing his job. Right, <laughs> yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Crazy. Yeah.
3: Broadway scene is, um, it, it can be a little loose. Well, every show I think has its culture. Rent Rent had yeah. a similar culture where it was like kind of like a rock show. So it was mm. cool to make mistakes and a bash looser. a little bit. Yeah, sure. And Waitress has moments where you know you should never, there are certain cues that you have to get every wow. night. Yeah.
0: Hmm. But
3: there are other things where like you can kind of ch- change it up and everybody's like, yeah, that that was cool you did that. And then other times you feel like, hmm, mm-hmm. maybe I shouldn't do that lick again ever, <laughs> ever again. So, <laughs> But the the people there are great. Really, really great.
1: The next thing you said, earning your doctoral degree, do you want to talk about
3: that? Yeah, man. I I became a doctor of education in.
2: (laughs) Could you take a look at this thing on my. Yeah, exactly. Well,
3: those doctors actually make some money. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And I became a doctor of education in January. January.
1: Oh, recently? Yeah, Yeah, recently. So, what does that mean?
3: uh, What it means is you basically, you know, I, I've, I'm a doctor in, in, in the world of education. People refer to me as Dr. Darty, you know, and, um, basically means that I wrote a dissertation. I went, I went through all the course, uh, programming and I wrote a, a dissertation and defended it. And my topic was on, uh, technology as it, as it affects the world of music education.
1: Oh, okay. Wow.
3: So it's definitely relevant to what I do. It's, mm-hmm. it's, yeah. it, it's in my wheelhouse. It's not something out outside, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, and I knew that going in that if I was going to pursue this, and I kind of did it for myself. I, I honestly, I did it for my kids. Yeah. To f- I wanted them to see their dad go through this in like incredible feat, you mm-hmm. know, and that and that they could do it too later wow. later in life. But I knew it going in that I was not going to do some sort of crazy educational stuff. That it was going, to, even though it is edu- educational, I was going to stick within the world of music education. So.
1: So the, the okay, doctor, that's amazing.
3: Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much. So. But we're working on an album right now with Freddie Johnston. Oh, really? Um, oh. He's a great songwriter. He really is, like, great songwriter. Mm-hmm. He has a uh, gift—the gift of like, kind of delivering very simple lyrics that you realize, like, hmm, I don't know if I could write stuff that. Uh, I, 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 I don't know <laughs> if I could paint the picture, right? Yeah. yeah if right. I could, if I could paint this for for the listening audience, this easily, right? Mm-hmm. So. We touched
1: on this a tiny bit last time, I remember, but I really want to talk about your album. Yeah, yeah. Cause I listen to it a lot. Dave, uh, this is one of
3: those moments where I don't really want to go there, because <laughs> I can't listen to my own stuff. Oh yeah, but yeah, yeah. We'll go there anyway. Oh, okay. Um,
1: <laughs> so talk about how those songs happened, and your plans with them, and if you want to say what I might put some clips of them. We could talk sure, about I, what some of them are. Well, about. Absolutely.
3: Play play clips. Go yeah. for it. Um, these songs came about, I'll, I'll tell you how they came about exactly. Because yeah. I, I felt I was bored on the road with They Might Be Giants. Because yeah. <laughs> I'm in a hotel room.
2: Yeah, a lot of downtime.
3: A lot of downtime. How much sightseeing can I do? I've been to Chicago 14 times before. <laughs> I've hooked up with people before, friends. And, and like, yeah. now what am I gonna do? And somebody, I don't know who it was, suggested that, I don't know why don't you like take a guitar with it. you just leave it you know mm-hmm. fly with it or leave leave it in the car bring it to the hotel room and i totally i was like yeah i should do that and before this time i had never played guitar wow i'm a horrible <laughs> guitar player right now um <laughs> years later twenty 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 20 20 years later but uh-huh. um so i sat in my hotel room and ch- you know did some simple chords and practice and stuff and then i got into the songwriting thing you know i got, got got the songwriting bug and um tony and i started to like work together you know mm-hmm. T- tony was interested cuz i i felt like tony, tony and i had similar skill set mm-hmm. and um there was even a point where i kind of approached flans kind of sheepishly like would you be interested in hearing some of these like to produce them and yeah. he was kind of like yeah let's go let's let's, yeah. <laughs> let's let's do it and i and i never I never I never like Brought them to him You know He's Mm -hmm. like Yeah let's Let's do it Let's you know Let's produce them Oh man I know that would have been Like a sick story right Yeah yeah. You know Another another down or oh no, whatever, <laughs> another, another wrong turn. But, um, so basically that's just the way it's as simple as that. You know, I bought myself a, a little four track and I started recording yeah. myself in my, and my, at that point I was living in Jersey city, New, New, New Jersey, and I was just playing these songs, you know?
1: Was there and, anything that you, you took from observing Linnell and Flansburg songwriting and you know, like, because that was your whole world in that, yeah. Those months, that year, or whatever. So, do you think that anything rubbed off on you? Because to me, I, I can, I can think, I can see they might be Giants fans enjoying these. these oh, songs thank a lot, you, thank
3: you. You know, um, you know what? I can't like cite a specific like mm. example where like I I directly drew from them, but I'll I I would say that like they have such assertiveness about their craft that that like at one point I remember just saying like, whatever, I'm just gonna write some lyrics. I mean, did you ever feel like this when you're writing a song? Like like if you write draft one, draft two, draft three, at some point you're just like, I'm just gonna sing a melody. I'm just gonna write the lyric. I'm just gonna (laughs) go with it. It's gonna be this, here's the form of the A section. Here's the form of the B section. So I think that I took that away from them, that this, like, a, okay, this is how it's gonna be. Hmm. Kind like of thing. The
1: structure? Yeah, the, the structure. The, the the,
3: or the, just kind of like take charge of it, you know. Hmm. I will mold this song, I guess, like throw something out there. We can fix it and tailor it later, hmm. kind of thing.
1: So let's talk about just a few specifics. Uh, okay, um, My Mechanic. My
3: Mechanic said there's no problem. Was yeah, a, was a cool yeah. whole
1: song. What was that Thank inspired you. that? Am I missing you, a, a metaphor? No, the there's literary? no this is not
3: metaphorical.
1: There's no poetry. I so had was like is it about you big, being like the mechanic of the band at no, the No, but I
3: wish it was because <laughs> I could I like bought. weave a whole like story about this, but like I had shitty cars. for like <laughs> It's really Stop <laughs>
2: overanalyzing. No, please. Please please
3: do because then when I when I go to NPR with these stories. Right. Yeah, <laughs> um no, I had shitty cars for like fourteen years. you mm. know every car that I had was like a <laughs> you know just like your blowout on the highway it was like a, I had blowouts, <laughs> yeah. I had blue gaskets i you know overheated like everything man and when I lived in upstate New York, I would take it to my mechanic George It's like I would be at this guy's shop like every other day it's like what, <laughs> it was like a full time job you mm-hmm. he'd always like be hammering away at something you kind of knew that he wasn't. Really doing anything, yeah. but but he was always telling you, "Okay, man, it's good, it's fixed," and so you wanted to believe it when you pulled <laughs> out, like, "Yeah, yeah, it's fixed, like this is cool, I can drive." But meanwhile, you were thinking, like, in the back of your mind, you're like, "This piece of shit's gonna break down any, <laughs> any moment." So that's why I wrote the song. It's kind of kind of literal, but I guess it does have other allegorical, you know, I, yeah, metaphorical. I,
1: it, it seemed to me to be like you're like uh, pondering your role in the, in the band that you're in.
3: <laughs> totally could be. No, subconsciously, t- totally. But that was literally about like, cause a drummer me- is
1: kind of the, he's like the mechanic. He's like yeah. this dependable kind of, you know, he's yeah. like making sure that everything's running on time. Yeah. Like, a, yeah.
3: <laughs> you know what? I mean, the way that these things work, I mean, a lot, yeah. I, I'm sure that a lot of people have t- said, have explained their songs in similar yeah. ways, but like basically saying like, I don't know what it meant or yeah. this was really a song about a girl. It wasn't a song about, you know, whatever, X, Y, or Z. You don't really know how it comes out, <laughs> right? Because so it could have, yeah. I mean, now now that I'm thinking about it, there could be a common thread here because- because well, he, yeah. here i was writing songs after feeling you know having all these feelings about working with the giants well, so
1: especially like, the, you know,
2: these others the other song
1: yeah so can we talk <laughs> about okay so there's two songs that jumped out to me as as being uh directly about being in the band and the one of them is the one you sent i'll keep the rest yeah 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 <laughs> yeah and the other one was if you love me why don't you pay yeah. me
3: uh, so you want can yeah. you talk about <laughs> yeah, those sure.
1: I'm, I'm dying to play this piece for people yeah please do
3: yeah so yeah. first of all i'll keep the rest was was one of those was was the first song that i wrote actually wow where like i was just like determined you know today i'm going to come up with lyrics i'm going to come up with a guitar riff i'm going to make this happen no matter what i don't know if you ever felt felt the same way like like really? when you're working on something <laughs> we're like this is going to happen today and um i kind of improv sure. i kind of Improv the lyrics, but uh, that's what I was feeling like. Uh, this, this feeling of like picking up crumbs. I'm picking up, I'm picking up crumbs. <laughs> yeah. I'll take whatever you leave me. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, I'll I'll eat the leftovers, <laughs> kind of thing. You know, sure. I mean, it's kind of a shitty feeling to feel, but but I don't know uh, how I I, I I just I just felt like I'll take. Let, let me know what you want. I'll take the rest. You know, mm-hmm. I'll keep the rest, kind of kind of thing. So. I can't say that it's directed at they might be giants specifically, but maybe it's just kind of like my. You've had a lot of been in a lot of bands. Yeah, yeah kind yeah. of like my. Hey, don't worry about it. I'm I'm good. I'm good with, with whatever's left over, kind mm-hmm. of thing. And if you love me, why don't you pay me? Well, that's direct, <laughs> totally directed at They Might Be Giants <laughs> because, uh, you know, this this feeling of, as we t- spoke about earlier, like, you know, either I, I conflated myself into thinking that I was this irreplaceable drummer yeah. or, you know, there were moments where like, I really was told like, you know, hey, you, this is great. You're great. You know, you're you're yeah. fantastic in the band. So I don't want to play it one, you know, too hard one way or another, but I certainly, I certainly got paid a weekly wage, but I definitely didn't reap the benefits of, you know.
1: Uh, well, there's a, some of the some of the lyrics are hard to understand. Yeah, the it's verses, kind of purposeful, But I did hear one that jumped out, which like I I related to and I, I could understand. You were like, it's in the last verse. You say something like, um, "You're." It's like they're looking at you and you you can tell you're out of place, right? Oh, yeah, like,
3: that's that's an. I'll keep the rest. Yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: oh, that's an. I'll keep yeah. the rest. Yeah. Okay. Yeah cuz that, that jumped out at me cuz I, I we've talked about like I once in a while, like we've tried to join other bands briefly like I was in this other band for like a week and and it is that feeling was I'm like I don't belong
2: here
0: this
3: Yeah you,
2: you It's either yeah, once and then I was like nah it yeah, either it's a weird feeling. you
3: know it works out either where you really want to be a part of something else mm-hmm. where you can just tell like eh maybe these guys don't really want me but mm. I really want to see if this can work out kind kind of thing or yeah. we are just like eh I know this is not going to work out but you can always <laughs> tell by the look on the face you know mm-hmm.
1: is there any other songs from I don't have the list here is there any other songs from that album that you want to talk I mean I, I liked everything I heard well, thank
3: you so much I, I, I really 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 appreciate that well first of all I'll tell I'll tell every Buddy, that the songs were recorded many years ago, so the audio on the songs, well, the audio is analog audio, which is good. Yeah, you know, two two inch tape, but um, I kind of feel like the music performances are kind of compressed. Like there's a lot of compression on hmm. on the mixes. And I, I'm wondering if I re-recorded some of those songs, if I re-revisited them, huh. would my vocal performance be better? I'm just very, very shy about. I, I don't know how you guys feel about singing your vocals, but singing vocals to me is pet- petrifying. <laughs> you know, it's like uh, I'm a, I'm, I'm a drummer. I can't yeah, like sing right. so. So um, yeah. <laughs> my vocal perform, my phrasing, how I cut words off, how I do consonants and yeah. vowels—it's like now I'm like very hypercritical about how I how that I can sung also be that
2: the hook though too. When people have very specific ways of yeah singing. yeah yeah could, actually could be. I agree people that sometimes aren't singers are way more interesting. You know, than it's people true. That yeah, have that confidence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that training.
3: Yeah, but I would like to talk to talk about one yeah. other song on yeah, this, yeah, yeah, which is um, called Powder Up. Which is yeah. kind of a quirky song, and I gotta tell you, man, I wrote this before the nine eleven thing happened, <laughs> and it's really about this song. I know. It's
2: tell cra- us more. So it's crazy.
3: Let's go down to the conspiracy rabbit. rabbit okay. Hole. No, but my brother Dennis and I used to build models, like okay. these like elaborate models of like ships and masts and stuff, and paint them, and then just for some reason, like we take them into the backyard where we grew up, and like we blow them up. <laughs> yeah. Like the day we were done.
0: Yeah, like this was like
3: <laughs> worked like a week's work. You know, we blow them up. We put firecrackers in there. We blow them up, and we got a great satisfaction out of blowing up these <laughs> models, these plastic models we built. And so th- that's what this song is ba- basically about. But when you, I think if you listen to those lyrics in the with the con not knowing what happened in nine eleven, it's about blowing things up and the NRA and oh the gun rights and all the shit. That's like so interesting that like. Now it has a whole other meaning But I'm telling people right yeah. now This was about me and my brother Dennis Blowing up models in the backyard And if you listen to it with that You'll see yeah. that it's pretty, it's pretty innocent It is not what you think When I go around.
1: There's a talking head song on Remain in Light called The Overload. Do you know Uh that one? No. The lyrics are so 9-11, but it's from the 1980. Yeah. But the lyrics are really seem like it's about 9-11. It's so weird. Yeah. It says the center is collapsing. There's explosions and noise. Well, It's like a scary song too.
2: Uh yeah. Anyway, I'm not gonna say anything. That's
3: that's. But I'm I'm almost hesitant to to recommend that to people to (laughs) listen to. And the other part of the story is that I couldn't figure out. I I had trouble like working out chords in that song. And so one day I took it to Mike Viola. Oh, cool. And he instantly like just picked up his guitar. He's like, basically like, I got this. You know. So this is what you should. we should play here, <laughs> play here. And I said, well, since we're doing this, should we just record it right now? <laughs> and he said, yeah, yeah, let, let, let's do it. I was at his apartment in the East Village. And so we set up a kick drum and snare drum and hi-hat. I recorded the drums. He played bass and guitar. Then I did the lead vocals. And then he and I sung the background vocals. And if, since he, he not only fixed the song, but he co-wrote the song with me. So he's the co-writer, yeah. of, the, he's the co-writer of the song with me. And, um, when we did the mix, I invited him to, this was like months later, we, we mixed the song. I invited him to the mix. And, um, at that point we had not spoken at all. And we, we he kind of made it clear, like, listen, man, I don't even know if I want to tell people that I co-wrote this song with you until I hear the mix, which I felt was kind of like weird. Cause I was like happy to see him and everything. He was like, listen, man, I'll, I'll let you know if it's good enough, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, Musicians. fortunately he approved of the mix and everything <laughs> we sat yeah. in the back of i basically sat in the back of the room while he and paul angeli worked worked hmm. on this mix but
1: okay so we're almost done here did you talk about the last man yeah all? i wanted to talk yeah. a little bit <laughs> it's about cool
3: the band have you listened to this band we, we really like the song you you. yeah
2: so, i really liked uh, the vocal on that and the the lyrics especially it's so cool yeah. right I, it's something like, about those lyrics i really loved it's which so, one was it it was uh something about
1: oh books or w- wood or something. Oh yeah, <laughs> books, um... are books are pieces of wood. Books or pieces of wood. Yeah, do you know anything? Books what was what going on <laughs> with that song? I don't know, man. I I really like that. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Just
3: of his name is Paul. Uh, the lead singer's name is Paul, and I can't pronounce his last name. Okay, I'm sure I'll, I'll, we'll figure it out. You'll do it. You'll do it for the uh, for yeah. the final edit. <laughs> but this is another Mark Zoltak production. Oh, Okay. So this is how Mark has come in and out of my life. He put this band together and called it The Last Men, and it was a couple different drummers. Me, Clem Burke of Blondie, and Dennis Dykin of The Smithereens. So we each took like two or three songs to yeah. play. Hmm. This guy, Paul, wrote these lyrics, and he's the one who recommended the, the book, The Painted Bird, to me, which is where I got the title for Powder Up.
1: Oh, okay. Okay.
3: So, and um, I don't know what's going on. He was just like a poetic, crazy dude. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's still with us, and his partner, unfortunately, has passed, and uh. no one's heard these songs. <laughs> Until your audience hears them, and, oh, I, and wow. I, I got permission from Mars Altak oh, for you great. guys awesome. to to play them. Okay, and awesome. I got permission from from Mark to play the 3D stuff as well. Oh, nice for, that, for you, you guys. So um, <laughs> by, by the only time by we've all ever means, asked permission. yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, the Last Men stuff is crazy good. Lisa Loeb sings background <laughs> vocals on yeah, one of the yeah. songs. Yeah, I mean, really, really good stuff, and nobody's ever heard it ever. Oh, awesome, it's not, never been released. Makes you think, yeah. Yeah, crazy no,
1: I, I, that, that definitely stood out.
0: Paul was upset from traveling so far For what Vincent found in his own backyard I got some coffee, let me brew you a cup We can sit down and talk it up It was two in the morning Boy was away. The boy standing by him had something
2: to say. You're doing a project where you're working over the internet. How do you yeah. find working over the internet? Because this is something that, especially as people's lives get more busy and stuff becoming very common. People are across the country. Is it weird working over the internet? Is it do you prefer it uh, being in a studio, being next to the person? Just what are the differences? What are the what do you feel about it? No,
3: this is a great, it's a great, great, great question. Because I
2: feel like that's where everything and, is going. Me too, me know? too. And
3: I had this idea like a long time ago to like exchange ADAT tapes via via the mail with people. And like, uh, <laughs> you know, remember the days of VHS going into like the, the A-tracks and so on. But um, it's just and just recently that I'm like the last three, four or five months that I, yeah. that I have a home studio. And... Um, I've just, I'm enticing my friends. I'm, I'm kind of challenging them to send me stuff, you know? Right. Yeah. And people are sending me, you know, guitar tracks, bass tracks, yeah, um, yeah. stuff to fix, uh, and songs that aren't done, guitar tracks where there's no lyrics written yet. And I've been writing lyrics for friends and singing and really wow. kind of doing everything. And um, I'm loving Logic. Yeah. By the way, Logic's, so the best. Logic's awesome. and for those of you who are Pro Tools u- users, you're, you guys are awesome because Logic <laughs> I can really figure out. Pro Tools I can't figure same, out same at all. Here. Yeah. I
1: bought it for seven hundred bucks, and I used it twice, and I can't. I don't I can't really figure out how,
3: how to open up a session. There's something
1: fun Pro about tools. It. Yeah, yeah. Me too. There's something more fun about Logic.
3: Logic is just like GarageBand Pro, you know. Yeah, and yeah. Um, No, but to your to your question, like this is where it's at, and as a busy dad. The, like a family with like kids that I can come into the basement and like for an hour work on your songs that you guys are gonna send me yeah. or, <laughs> okay. or um, you know work on somebody else's songs that you know they send me and mm-hmm. and open up a session and then send it send it back to them I did some overdubs for Freedy's record here mm-hmm. oh wow and um it's so great just sending the audio files back in a, in a dropbox and then yeah. having sometimes facetiming the producers mark yeah. and john mm. to uh, so that they can kind of direct me so i think it's like really convenient it's great for my situation
0: mm-hmm. it's
3: something that i think that i want to do more of and um for me this is the way the business is going you know
0: yeah yeah, yeah probably, and so yeah.
3: I, I i'm not missing i don't think we're lacking collaboration energy cuz there's still energy, there's still dialogue there, you know? Yeah, It's mm-hmm. not like, oh, I'm sending you stuff that's written in stone. Like, it, you give me some feedback and I'll cut it again, you mm-hmm.
1: know? Um, so I forgot to ask about, uh... You played on an XTC song. Yeah, yeah. I don't think we yeah. talked about
3: that. No, we haven't talked Cher- about that.
1: Uh, Cherry in Your Cherry Tree. Cherry in Your Tree. So yeah. I, I love that song. So I'm a huge XTC fan. Uh, they're like one of my other top favorite bands. Oh, yeah. So please tell us about oh, that. Oh my God. And that was for the Carmen Sandiego
2: yes, it, soundtrack, yes, which yes, are great
1: albums. So. Yeah. Go
2: ahead. Another, I'm lost. <laughs> an, another.
3: well, first of all, I, I was, as a drummer, I was a huge Colin Moulding fan. Yes. Like, one of the greatest bass players. Mm-hmm. Like, were, were you a fan of his?
2: He's shown me some XTC yeah. stuff. I He likes the Dukes little. of Stratosphere a lot. Okay, yes, cool. Yes, yeah. I do. But he yes. can't,
1: I, for some reason he, well, actually, <laughs> I do get it I do, because my girlfriend's the same way. She loves Dukes of Stratosphere, but there's, for some reason, there's like, can't jump, make that leap to their normal albums. Right, yeah. I'll try again. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. Well.
3: Well, don't don't worry about it. Yeah, no, I get it. I I, I totally get it. Um, Yeah, so I will listen quietly. I will. So, (laughs) no, it's great. This is a great, like one of the great moments, like where I got, I was asked by David Yazbek, who is a producer, who, by the way, has written the music for the Broadway show Tootsie. Yeah. which is on Broadway now and has written music for the Broadway show, The Band's Visit mm-hmm. that was just on Broadway. Like great composer, great songwriter. Um, he was gonna produce these XTC sessions mm-hmm. where they were coming over into New York and, but without a drummer. Mm-hmm. And so I was asked, it was like one of the dream sessions. Wow! And um, I had never met, and Andy sent me a demo of Cher- Cherry and Tree, but really no direction. Dave did give me kind of heads up. He was like, Andy Partridge may may be slightly hard to understand or he may <laughs> be difficult to m- to communicate with for drummers. Like he may use crazy terms, like he may <laughs> say know, like, man. Can you make the floor tom more mubby? Or can you
1: you know <laughs> no, yeah, I I've heard all about this.
3: <laughs> so but I'm telling you, man, it was they it was it was nothing but fun. Like well, there's nothing difficult about it. Yeah. Like they were basically like play. What do you What do you hear on this? And like, um, it was great to play. Like, I, I got to play with Colin Colin Molding. Wow! And yeah. of course, was Andy Partridge. Was it recorded
1: Partridge. like live? Like, yeah. Was, how did that go? It's recorded
3: live. I mean, I'll tell you. Um, Gr- David Gregory wasn't present, so oh, it was really? me, oh. Colin, and Andy Partridge, and Davey Asbeck. at Campo Studios which was on Bond Street at the time and Andy Partridge was funny funny lighthearted. hearted um, I thought I, I was expecting some serious hard to figure out artiste kind of guy mm-hmm. he was just like great laughing guy very lighthearted, mm-hmm. like funny everything was funny and good very very good natured you yeah, know? nothing was that serious. And um, Colin Molding was the same way, but a little quieter. And, yeah. <laughs> and they were they were explaining to me like where they their town in Swindon, you know, mm-hmm. like what Swindon was like. And, yeah. and um, just really really fun fun people. Like no, nothing that serious. But I but I started I found myself asking them about their sessions and yeah. Uh, I, I at that point I was in touch with Pat Mastelotto, the drummer on Oranges and Lemons. Yes. So. I was asking them about what was it like to do this or that or the other thing. And mm-hmm. and um, they had no problems like, oh yeah, that was really good. We did, you know, we worked with so-and-so on that song and that song. So they weren't too cool yeah. to like, to kind of get into it and kind of like help me out and kind of satisfy my yearning to mm-hmm. know, know more about them. And um, playing with them was great. But I did, the thing that I noticed, like Colin did a lot of punches
1: Oh, really? So I yeah. think that that's
3: his style. He
1: like, oh, once the drum
3: track is done, he's like ready. Cause he, he has an interesting t- technique where it's not really pick and it's not really thumb or fingers. Huh. He does this is kind of plucking, maybe I'm wrong bass players if, <laughs> if you know, but he has an, he has an, an unorthodox bass playing tech technique that I think gets him fatigued quickly mm-hmm. so he has to do things in small segments sure yeah
1: well the the bass lines for xdc songs are so creative and <laughs> crazy good they, yeah so i that i actually agree with makes that sense yeah, yeah.
3: <laughs> so good but yeah you I'll agree you would you should know that he does a lot of it in, he does yeah. almost all of it in small small chunks so That's it's great it's great to be that fly in the wall again to yeah be like, wow Or are like oh, i'm watching him punch every eight measures you know
1: And then, oh, you had mentioned, you mentioned working with Ben Folds. Yeah. yeah, That's another huge um, person I'm a fan of. So anything about that. I've got some great
3: stories about Ben. So I mentioned to you about Mark Zoltak, this figure Mark Zoltak. (laughs) Okay. So what you should know about Mark, Mark is still to this day a realtor in Hoboken, New Jersey. But he's (laughs) like... A great mu- music fan he's mm. like a he's like the curator of great music he's got he's his opinion is either he's got a strong opinion about everything because Mark was a realtor at this time he knew every musician that was coming in in and out of Hoboken <laughs> because he was leasing apartments to them that's funny. so okay. that's how I met grand maybe through Mark mm. I met. Um, the Silos through Mark, mm-hmm. I met Rick Ford, who was also in The Silos, but also Joe, ja- one of Joe Jackson's bass players. Through Mark, I met so many musicians through Mark. He beca- and he wasn't a music guy; he was just a realtor. <laughs> Later, he became a music guy because yeah, yeah. he was like, "Hey, this music guy—I've got opinions about music. I can produce music." Yeah, and it, ed- it ended up that he was great. So he produced those Last Man sessions, and um, I met Ben Folds through Mark. Uh huh. When we- was this? Ninety five, ninety six, okay. right. around around that time, before his first album, yeah. And Ben had given Mark his demo tape with Underground on it, yeah. and yeah. it was a cassette tape. And I think Ben was trying to, to lease an apartment in Hoboken. And Mark listened to it, and Ben also said, "I need a band." Yeah. So Mark <laughs> took the tape to me.
0: Wow. No,
3: actually, Mark sent Ben to me. Yeah. Ben came up to Woodstock too. They might be Giant show. And because Ben Ben was a They Might Be Giants fan, Ooh. and and so
1: well Flansburg directed a uh, one or two Ben Folds Five music videos. Really? Yeah. Wow. Wow. And he has weird things to say about that too. Because that because
3: at one point Flans dropped me off to do when I was doing a Ben Folds rehearsal. Uh huh. And and I remember Flans like I I could hear him saying as the car door closed like Why is Darty even doing this? Why Why is he doing this? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. So, and you can leave that on this, you can leave that in, in the episode, but it was almost like, cause, I, and I was thinking like, cause this kid's like excellent. He's like mm, an awesome, yeah. you know? So Ben took his demo tape up to me to a They Might Be Giant show. And I listened to it and I was floored. Yeah. And yeah. so I instantly called him and, and I called Mark and Mark was like, this kid is awesome. He's great. You should play with him. We started rehearsing with Ben uh in Montclair, New Jersey. So Ben was living in Montclair at the time mm-hmm. and his childhood friend, Tom Spagnardi was playing bass and it I was in the original Ben Folds five, that's, you know?
0: That's crazy. And
3: we were rehearsing all the songs. We rehearsed in somebody's apartment, not Ben's. And after some time we did gigs at the bitter end. We did gigs, remember Sinead on eighth street? There these yeah, clubs yeah. Oh, Shanae. We, Shanae that was our first show.
1: Yeah, really? <laughs> no, I, I got, this is a, not to derail, but it is a little funny story. I, you know, I used to email venues all the time, could I have a show, could I have a show? And I emailed Sine and they responded, yeah, you've got a show just letting you know, this is like for bands, not for solo acts. So I went, oh shit. So I was like, Dave, could you play bass Mm for the show? And we asked our friend Daniel, could you play drums? And we rehearsed like a bunch of times for a few weeks and Uh it was like a band show. And that got me started in having a bunch of band shows for a few weeks, but it was out of
3: panic wow pretty cool anyway yeah yeah. no that's no that's great um yeah so we did little gigs around town and he had people coming down i mean he he was like he was very very young very very innocent kid (laughs) kid at the time you know i remember like him him wearing like sandals to like gigs and we were carrying his piano you know into gigs because he wanted the certain fender rose and you know and, um, and his parents would drive up from North Carolina to come, to come see <laughs> him play. It was kind of sweet. And eventually, believe it or not, Ben ended up renting the apartment above me in Jersey City. Wow. And we rehearsed in my basement. Wow. So we became the Ben Folds Five downstairs <laughs> in Jersey. And you know what? Out of nowhere, just overnight, Ben just up and left one day. <laughs> he left everything like he left his wife who's living upstairs oh my god and he just left
1: i think i know who that is anna yeah anna, anna Anna goodman yeah because are she, you in touch with her no uh she was in a band she's another, my wife now she was in another band
2: <laughs> she plays cello, she played
1: think, right? violin in okay. pinata land okay a band oh, yeah
2: that's I crazy. know pinata Land. oh my god I a band that i'm a big talk
1: fan to of. anna well she she's she played violin for them for only very briefly, at, but the first few shows I saw, she was there. Oh, wow. And I interviewed Pinyat. This is like proto-podcast, but I interviewed them for my high school paper. Wow. And they're like, oh, you know, Anna, like, co-wrote, like, some of the Ben Folds 5 she songs. She yeah. And I was like, wow. what? That's that Anna? Like, I didn't know... Because yeah, like I said, I read the cool. liner notes, right? So I knew yeah. the name. So it's like that's the woman. So yeah, so I know, I, I you know, I, I seen her do shows. Weird. And stuff. Yeah. It's a small, so, small. Community. So he just <laughs> so he to just took to... off.
3: I think it was just, uh, you know, what we had, we had done some gigs and we had done some like industry showcases where mm-hmm. like there was like two execs at the back of the room, just ch- checking him out, and it kind of it was. It, wasn't good and he got rejected, you know? Uh And, um, but I, the Sine, I think the last Sine gig we did his, (laughs) his, his manager, his, the manager that got him the huge record deal showed up Mm. and like, just totally like gushed over Ben, yeah, fawned over him, whatever. And then after Ben left, he hired that manager to be his manager. Mm. So, and then that's the guy, I forget his name.
1: So, but you never heard anything about why, what happened? Nothing.
3: And believe it or not, Anna stayed uh, and lived upstairs for like at least a year. Wow. And she carried on. She was <laughs> great. I mean, she was my upstairs neighbor. Yeah. For like a year, maybe more. She worked at MTV. And um, and then I saw Ben, I I, I saw Beck at Jones Beach a okay. long time ago. And Ben was opening for Beck. Okay. And- Ben got me backstage to visit, and and I could just see the look on his face then. Like he was, he he looked tired. He looked like he didn't want to see people. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't, it wasn't like he he didn't light up when he saw me. It wasn't like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah we're going back to the day. It was right. kind of like he looked worn out. Like huh. people people wanted a chunk of him or something, and I felt like I was just another person wanting another chunk of him. Sure, sure. you know, so. We talked for a bit and then that, then that was it. We didn't go down memory lane or anything. He was just kind of like, Hey, what's going on? But he was at that point, he was like a star. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, God, that's crazy. Um, do you remember like what it was like arranging the songs like the, that you did learn? Well, he's them? another was guy
3: how- who's a drummer. He played drums on his own yeah. demos, you know, yeah. he had specific, he was like, don't, we will never mic the drums from the front side, you know, the uh, kick drum huh. from the front side. Well, we're always going to mic it from the batter side. I was like, okay, whatever, man. You <laughs> know? And so he had very, very specific <laughs> ideas, which seemed to be like unorthodox at the time, but he knew what he wanted. He knew what he wanted, mm. you know? And yeah. You know what we did? We did a lot of singing. I did a lot of singing. Cause it was me, yeah. Tom and Ben oh, singing. Yeah, that's like what Ben Volk's Yeah, if, if like, you're, yeah. yeah, if you, <laughs> that was the thing. He, drums were cool. You know, it was great yeah. that you were playing drums Doherty, but we all sang <laughs> and, and I can sing. So, yeah. but but I, we sung, we worked on a lot of stuff. Uh, and, and I always felt like it was, it was a stretch, like, but it was kind of cool. I was uh-huh. like, well, there's only three of us and yeah. we're all singing, we're all playing at the same time, you know?
1: Uh, are there recordings
3: of, of you in the uh, – because he's put out a lot of uh, his old
1: demos and stuff, but I don't know if any of it don't is from know. this era.
3: I don't know. I just like not know. I keep none of my stuff. <laughs> none of it. All my scratch notes and everything, I keep none of it. Do you remember the the Benfold songs you played on – I definitely, it was all of the first album, Underground. Real, yeah, yeah. If I saw the titles, it was it's just like looking at yeah, like the yeah, yeah. Giants song. If <laughs> I saw the titles, we, we did the whole first album. Basically, yeah. Basically, yeah. 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 Wow. And then later he played he played a festival in St. Louis mm-hmm. where he was playing at a smaller stage and they might be Giants were at the headline stage. Ah. And um, I connected with him there, you know, a little bit hmm. and spoke with him a touch. But he wow. wasn't himself again. He was just like uh, I don't know. Yeah, and that,
1: yeah. at that actually
3: at that at that same show, I was in I was online for food at the catering tent and in front of me this guy tur- turns to me and goes, excuse me, you know where the knives are? And I I, I look up and it's Joey Ramone. He's like Whoa. Excuse me, you know where the knives are? <laughs> and, wow. And uh he's told Tall dude, yeah, because you know? yeah, yeah. the Ramones yeah. were were like the headliner of, of that oh, show. Oh my god, you know? oh, man! That's... The Ramones are big audio dynamite, and they might be giants.
1: Wow. Yeah. Oh my god. That's so it's just
3: show. cool. That's my Joey Ramone story. I can tell <laughs> that people that awesome. I met. That's great. Well, I can't really say that I met him. I mean, I tell, I kind of lie, <laughs> I just kind of stretch it a little bit, but
2: that's all you need from yeah. him. Yeah. If <laughs> I had that story, I'd be a much happier. Hey, you
3: nicer. know where the knives are? <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, we didn't talk about REM.
3: That's the one thing we got to talk about. Oh, Okay, yeah. What what happened with REM? Well, what happened with REM was that. I heard that Bill Barry had left the band for health reasons, yeah, and I just kind of had a hunch, like, hmm, I wonder if they're looking for a new drummer, maybe maybe not, I don't know, and I had some history because Peter Buck had was a fan of the other band that I was in the silos, and okay. every time we passed through Atlanta would come in and sit in with us,
1: yeah, and
3: so I knew Peter Buck, yeah, somewhat I, yeah. did I really know him now so I this attorney manager guy that was this attorney that was kind of act, acting as my interim manager every now and then. Um, we kind of hatched a plan where he would call the management on my behalf just to see if they were entertaining the idea of other drummers. And so they said yes, yeah, that, like, like send send us something because he told them who I was. And so we put together a portfolio piece on CD, mm-hmm. and I sent it to them and it ended up that they saw three drummers, me and two other drummers. And one of them got the gig, Joey Warnker uh, got the wow. gig. The other one was Natalie Merchant's boyfriend at the time, Peter Yanowitz. Huh. And cause Natalie had a, had history with, um, Michael Starr. Graham
1: maybe played with her, right? Yes.
3: Cause I recommended Graham and I want the audience to know that Graham I recommended <laughs> you for a lot of work. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I recommended Graham to Natalie Merchant and, um, cause I was friends with Natalie at that time. Mm. But one day they invited me down to Athens, Georgia to like hang out with them. (laughs) And they were recording a record. They had rented a house in Athens, cleared out the house, brought in a whole bunch of studio gear and set up everything. And, um, I sensed that it wasn't really so much about playing. It was just kind of like hanging out. So, I, yeah. I and we hung out at this house. I listened to some of their tracks and then we went to their rehearsal studio. Like they have a building in Athens that's like their yeah. building, like yeah. a rehearsal studio. It has like vending machines in it, you know, where everything's free, you press a button, <laughs> a Coke comes out of it. And um we played some songs and it was me, Mike Mills and Peter Buck. Wow. This was one full day and Peter Buck at some point, Peter Buck was saying like, yeah, let's go back to the studio and Brian could play some tambourine or do some cymbal overdubs because there were some overdubs to be done. Okay. And I was like, absolutely, let's do this <laughs> right now. And I could feel Michael Stipe, he could have gone either way, but I could see that Mike Mills was like, no, this is not going to happen. No. And right then I knew that Mike, Mike Mills was kind of the leader of the band. And I didn't <laughs> know that until then, but Mike Mills, in my opinion, was the leader of the band. Huh. I don't know what happened, but so he was, he he kiboshed this notion of me coming back and doing it. And meanwhile, inside I'm thinking like, man, I don't care if I don't get this gig. I, yeah, I will have yeah. played on an REM yeah. album and like I will yeah, tell my huh. grandkids this the day progressed and we played some more music and let's say at this point it was six o'clock at night and they asked like, let's go out for a beer. Like, so we went to like the local sports bar and when you walk into a place with Michael Stipe yeah. and it's like the whole place kind of shuts down and people weren't looking at them. They were staring at me because they had seen Buck and Mills and yeah. Stipe, but they were wondering like, who's this other schmuck <laughs> with them? And um, All eyes were on me and we just sat and we sat for like an hour just like having beers and talking and really nothing. They were like kind of getting amped up for like some shows and what are you going to do before the shows and how are you going to prepare and should we get this masseuse to come on (laughs) tour with us and so on. I was like, yeah, this is going to be cool, man. <laughs> so here's where the story gets really, really good. <laughs> the dinner hour was approaching, and they were discussing, like, well, what should we do for dinner? Like, should we come back to the studio? Should we? So they were talking it out loud in front of me, like, what they should do with me, essentially. <laughs> and um, at some point, Michael Mills was just like, don't worry about it. Like, Darty will come back to my house with me for dinner. You guys, you know, take a break. We'll pick you up in a couple hours and blah, blah, blah. So which I thought was weird because I knew that I wasn't feeling it or Mike Mills wasn't, yeah. wasn't really feeling it for me. And, um, Mike Mills was like, don't expect anything special, but you're going to come back to the house. We'll do some leftovers. <laughs> you know, my, my girlfriend will be there, maybe some other people. And then, um, and then we'll come back to the studio. I was like, yeah, absolutely. Not a, not a problem. We walk into his house and it's his girlfriend and somebody else. And they both turn to me and Mike and go like, so is this it? He's the drummer. this is it. And uh, she's like, ah, well, we'll see, we'll see. And (laughs) I look over and there's this table set, like this elaborate setup at this kitchen table with like place settings and candles. (laughs) And this whole thing like was set up for like dinner. So I, eventually we sat down for dinner and it was the four of us and the other gentleman excused himself. And then Mike Mills was like, don't uh, guys, are you okay? Like, I'll be back in a little bit. So he went upstairs in his own house and it was me and Mike Mills' girlfriend staring at each other across <laughs> this long table. just like having <laughs> dinner together. It was very awkward. Really, really <laughs> awkward. And... Um, and this 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 went on. This wasn't like thirty minutes. This was more like two hours. Yeah, <laughs> it was just, just like us, and we were just having conversation and talking. And we finished eating. Then we had dessert, and then it's just like a weird. I don't know. If, that, that's the only way that I can describe. It. It's just like very very weird. And then eventually Mike Mills came down. He had eaten nothing. Yeah, he didn't even sit with us at, for like a second at mm. all. And I was just like, okay, Darty, ready? Let's go back to the studio. Bye bye. And when the, and then we left. We picked up Mike Mill. Uh, we picked up Peter Buck at his house. Yeah. And then uh, we went back to the rehearsal studio to to rehearse. <laughs> yeah. And that was it. Wow. That was it. That was like my day and a half with with REM. Oh God. <laughs> and then later, I found out that they had. I mean, in hindsight, it was probably that Mike Mills wanted Joey Wonker Yeah, To, yeah. Play, to play drums. So uh, yeah, yeah. Whatever I did wow. was never going to be good enough, mm. you know. Yeah. It's like a weird situation, but wow! I, so I played with REM under those right. circumstances, and <laughs> and I had dinner with Mike Mills's girlfriend. Yeah,
1: that's amazing.
3: Wow! I will tell you what what I learned is that Mike Mills is definitely the leader of the band. Mm-hmm. This is pretty much why you hear his; he has to have his voice on almost every song. If you go back, <laughs> you listen to his background vocals. I love his harmonies. Yes, but- they're, they're good, but just, yeah. but he has a definite sound to him. You know? Yeah, yeah. And um, I thought I'd be petrified. Working with Michael Stipe, he's so cool. Like, oh, cool, so regular, so cool, like again, i you think he'd be like this like weird artist like' his yeah yes, totally yeah. regular he's like, oh just I just did twenty five push ups over there in the corner, like you know, in I mean the spotlight just Sorry. like just like so friggin normal, and like just like a cool dude, yeah, in the spotlight that that's me doing push ups in the corner <laughs> See?
2: <laughs> took a while yeah. and Slow burn. what what I,
3: what I had heard about them and their band though was that they were they were a little shy of having outside musicians because i Mm. think some of the other musicians that they had been working with were around when they wrote that song Mm -hmm. and that were trying to lay claim on some of the songwriting yeah and that they were like well you may have been in the room but you didn't really write the song with us so
1: Wow, so any other topics you want to bring up or do you want to wrap no, up? I think I feel this is this know, an amazing uh this was an amazing uh We did it folks. Addendum to the last time. This might really be even good. better. Yeah. I don't know. Thank you. Yeah. No, really <laughs> it's really a lot cool. Great work with.
0: Yeah.
3: I just want to apologize to all the the fans out there if I did not recall
0: <laughs>
3: all of the songs no, all of the fine. time, but I'll just tell you that like working with the Giants was like one of the greatest points in my in my career. It was yeah. an uh, honor to work with them. And so and you guys asked some very Great <laughs> probing questions that really yeah, kind of, like, yeah. prodded my memory.
1: Well, some of those drum drum tracks on those songs are just stuff that I just have been played along right. with for since I was, like, 14.
3: Cool, cool. It's kind Thank of
1: insane, you. yeah. I um, mean,
2: and in our book, you're on our favorite album by theirs. Yeah, it's so awesome. Whatever, it's whatever yeah. that's worth.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> um, okay, so I guess we'll wrap up. Thank nice. you, cool. Brian Darby. Thank you. Thank you, Brian Darby. And, oh, do Thank you want to say
1: where people can, like, get, like, find your stuff online or anything, I don't know. (laughs)
3: um, I do, I have my uh, album of songs, which I call Treat and Release. It's kind of like a band name, Treat and Release. It's on iTunes, but honestly, you can find it on SoundCloud for free and -hmm. you can check check it out there. Um, I don't really have, I do have like a a blog, but I kind of like post I, I get excited about posting, and then and then I a, a lose steam. But if yeah. you ever wanted to get in touch with me, just email me at brian drum b r i a n d r u m at gmail.com Just email me, and I'll respond. And also, <laughs> I'm a, I'm all you know. I'm willing to hear uh, your songs. Uh, you want to send me your songs you yeah. s- send me some tracks. Um, and I, I want to hear about your, they might be giants experiences and so on. If you, have any, <laughs> if you have any other more questions, if you have any more questions, just shoot them my way. You, you know? also,
1: I wanted to say, uh, I saw that you have tracks on your SoundCloud that are like beats. Yeah. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Sure. Sure. Uh, Cause it's like really valuable
3: service. Sure. Yeah. I mean, um, a long time ago before all this virtual stuff was even a possibility, mm-hmm. I just thought, wow, wouldn't it be cool. And, and I think I worked on this with Tony. Hmm. The bass player, but they might be giants. Where he and I were talking, like, wouldn't it be cool if we just had like grooves set up, you know? And Flansburg was also looking for grooves, some mm. sort like a library of grooves. So, me, Tony, and I went into the studio one day, and he recorded me. I played drums, just like different things. I made up stuff. Um, the titles of the songs that that you see, like, I just made them up. Yeah, some of them are like you know, spoofs on Aerosmith songs. Some of them sound kind of like Steely Dan songs, Mm -hmm. but I just, you know, classic grooves, like when the levee breaks and so on. and that's it Just like two minutes But we thought They would be like In real time Like the length Of like an average song Thinking yeah. that If you wanted to use them For your song You could like yeah. snip at them I was thinking like, about you it You could Go <laughs> ahead They're kind of royalty free They're kind of like yeah. You know Slice and dice them The way you want That's a,
1: uh, a lot of our listeners Are musicians And you know I think that That's a very valuable thing Cool so Cool I mean get get into that be,
3: If you if you wanted to purchase them They are also, also on Amazon Or iTunes But they're like a, a dollar You know They're that's,
1: like Yeah that's it. they're like so cheap save a few hundred yeah. dollars and, and going uh, to a studio <laughs> yeah of course yeah
3: but Spend but one by all means and i didn't i didn't I haven't figured out a, like a good delivery system for this, yeah. but I have like another volume, like volume three where they're all separate wave files. So I could send mm-hmm. you like a folder of eight tracks of, yeah, oh, well. and I'll send them to you guys. Uh, yeah. But they're like a folder of eight tracks of like drums at 120 mm-hmm. uh, beats per minute, drums at 80 beats per minute in this style and that style. So I, I was kind of jazzed about making libraries, but then I I realized like I don't know, GarageBand, Logic, they already have libraries of stuff. Yeah, they do. (laughs) Which are awesome as well. So, I don't know. I mean, if you want my (laughs) library, just get in touch with me. I'll get them to you or something. I just wanted to let people know that. Thank you.
2: Okay, so thank you so much. Thank you, Brian. This was uh, awesome. This was amazing. Amazing.
0: My pleasure. Thank
1: you for the music. And the stories. Yes.
0: <laughs> All right. Thank you, guys. Okay. Okay.
1: Thanks.
2: Bye, bye, everybody. <laughs> that, wow, Jordan. Wow,
1: Thou wow. That was it. Part two, part one, and two of Brian's already time to be alive. <laughs> yeah uh guys please just check out brian's stuff online check out his his stuff if you enjoyed this episode uh we're gonna interview some more people we got one we got one in the can one more in the can i found very entertaining (laughs) that's gonna come up pretty soon i think um and there's more kind of being planned some
2: stuff i don't even know about
1: yeah that's right uh dave's parents (laughs) (laughs) so This was Don't Let's Start, a podcast about They Might Be Giants. Check out our Twitter at Don't Let's Pod. Maybe I'll post a photo that we took with Brian or maybe not depending on how oh, we yeah. how we feel about it and check out uh, our email address. It just, just, just sit, check, just it, check out. it out. Just sit, don't, don't use it. Just type it and look at it. Cause it's, it's, it's
2: pretty, pretty good. cool.
1: Yeah, pretty good. Don't let's start podcast at gmail.com. Dave, I, yesterday I, I, I answered saw. about 20 or 30 of our emails. I'll
2: answer more too. Cause I had nothing to do all day.
1: Yeah. So email us and we, we will get back to you and sometimes it'll be a, a hearty hello. Sometimes, sometimes it'll, it'll be, be a harsh
2: hello. Yeah. <laughs> and sometimes we'll read them on the air in our famed letter letterbox, letterbox
1: segment. There's a there's a bunch of those coming up. We're we're trying to plan some room for that because we've been very the flood series was was packed with with too much too much content. So anyway, Brian Doherty, I want to thank you for giving me a great interview. You are a gem. You are a treasure. We really appreciate. You doing this? Yes. For us. Oh, and by the way, Dave, did you see on They Might Be Giants' Facebook? They just posted a picture a new reunion with Brian Doherty and Dan Hickey, their other uh, drummer that who came after Brian Doherty. That's amazing! What that, a picture? That was such a crazy thing to see. What a time to be alive! Especially after talking to Brian about his time in the all band.
2: All that drum prowess in one photo—they can barely contain it. Marty, Dan, and Bri- Brian. Wow! Fucking amazing drummers. All they should form a band. <laughs> so let's get out of here yes
1: let's leave you to your to your busy day your your fun day at work everyone
2: so once again this has been don't let's start a podcast about they might be Be giants Giants, wishing you a (laughs) a great day and a good evening